SCNZ, three minutes past 2pm on your Wednesday of sport, 11th of January. I hope everybody's going well. We're 17 seconds away from the first race at Winton, which G's me up a wee bit. Matamata is racing later on, but we'll have plenty of sport in amongst a little bit of racing chat for your Wednesday afternoon, which we will be building up to more international cricket. The Black Caps, Pakistan, second ODI, getting under the way tonight, just after 10 o'clock here on SENZ with our cool team, which will be completely fired up. And the Black Caps, who will also be completely fired up for a little bit of redemption after oh, a niggly start to their ODI series. Hey, hope you've enjoyed your day so far, wherever you are uh, around the country. I feel like a lot of people are back at work now. I feel like a lot of people have just started to work their way back into the groove. We certainly have here at SCNZ. What do we have coming up on the show? I noticed that we've still got Godney McDonald's delivered, Joe or Jacob. Interesting, considering those were roles that were doled out on Monday and we are at Wednesday. But that's no, no issue when you've got the Macca's menu and Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. So, today we're going to catch up with... What was that, Joe? Oh, sorry, I just said uh, Julian Anderson's locked in for 2.45. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. right, we're just, right. We're live booking, yeah, yeah, oh, my yeah. bad, I'm sorry. So, and Julian's talking some cycling. Some cycling and using the classic, the first stage just went off today. Mate, you should do um, the Macca's menu. I know, I should. <laughs> you should do the Macca's menu. Uh, we're going to talk to Julian Anderson then about some cycling, the New Zealand Classic. It's a great opportunity for young cyclists. They've, they've held it for a number of years now. Actually, a number of decades now. Wonderful job it does promoting cycling in this country. So we're going to catch up with him. We're going to talk plenty of cricket. How about the bloke that blasted 100 for the Firebirds yesterday? And we'll update you on what's going on in the Canterbury Central Districts for Trophy game. But yesterday was all about Russian Ravindra, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. As he powered his way to a big century, he made 113 from 102 in unbelievable fashion. Here's a guy who's had big raps on him for a very long time. I know he would love to be back in that Black Caps unit. Gareth Hall, SEN track, giddy up post. Well, he's over at the Gold Coast, tough life for G Hall, because uh, the Magic Millions sale's going on at the moment, and the Magic Millions racing... Well, that's where all the stars of the Australian racing scene are this weekend. We'll talk to him about what the hype's like off the Gold Coast. How about Pinner? Sam Pinfold, yes, caddy of Cam Smith. What's he ranked now? World number two or three? Or have they just completely said, you can't, you can't be in the world rankings because of your live connections? I don't think they have yet, but he is struggling for ranking points. And I know that really doesn't rub well with Cam or Sam. Sam Pinfold talking all things golf after four o'clock. We'll make sure that he tips us a couple of uh, horses at Matter Matter as well. No doubt Sammy Pinfold will be all over that. Blair Tarrant talking a bit of field hockey with the Black Sticks. Really looking forward to uh, catching up with Blair Tarrant. Find out how his summer's been going, where his focuses are for 
2023. And I tell you exactly where they'll be. Well, the World Cup's coming up in Chile. The game, the opening game is uh, only this Saturday. Spark Sport, there you go. So that's four o'clock. After five o'clock, Blair Chook. Chooky, yeah. One of our absolute favourite Kiwi athletes uh, from the far north. He has been... Well, enjoying his summer, but summer gets serious this weekend for Sale GP because the team is in Singapore. They get underway on Saturday. Uh, it's a huge day sailing. And how's this? The event that you want to be at, it's at Shapiro's Bar. There's a little bit of a watch party going on here with the Sale GP, the New Zealand team that they're, they're running. And it's because it's a 7 p.m. race. It almost feels like test match footy, test match sailing. Can we call it that? I mean, we are up against the Aussies, the English, the French, a lot of our test foes in rugby. 7pm sailing gets underway on Saturday night. I know what I'll be watching. I know where I'll be, at Shapiro's, drinking beers with my friends. And uh, I'd love for you to come along as well. Maybe we can be friends. There you go. That's 5pm, Blair Chook, to talk about the start of the calendar sailing year for him, the SailGP team, and where they want to be. That's the Macca's menu. I'd love to hear from you on 0800 150 811, the Makita phone line, rule the outdoors with Makita's power garden tools, or double eight double three, the temper bedpost text machine. I'd love to hear from you throughout the afternoon. If you want to tip me one at Matamata, I've got a couple that I don't mind, although the fields have been decimated just because of the nature of that heavy track. So scratchings galore. I uh, hope you put your bets on yesterday. No deductions this summer. All summer long at tab.co.nz. Hey, <laughs> what a promotion that is. Because I had a four-leg multi, and I think the odds equaled about 20 bucks. Maybe not quite that much. Maybe about $15. And I bet you if I put it on today, the odds would equal about $5. So that's what you're doing with the TAB. No deductions. And speaking of racing, Joe. Louis. I actually went for a trip to Ellerslie today. Yeah, I saw that. How's it looking? I fence, I jumped the fence. <laughs> it did look suspicious. It looked like you're all alone. It wasn't like someone was showing you around. No. It looked like you just jumped the fence. No. So if Paul Wilcox is listening, trespass me. Well, he actually, he did see your tweet. And he, did he? He did, yeah. And he gave you is a Is he trespass me? Yes, yeah. Oh. He was not happy. <laughs> Come on, Pete. Um, I'm curious. I wanted to see what the Ellerslie renovations looked like. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what's going on here, and, and this is just what I did with my day, you might not care. I'd love to know what you've done with your day. Double eight, double three. Save me from myself. <laughs> this is what I did this morning. I went for a dentist appointment, or an, actually I'm getting my wisdom teeth out. Ooh, sounds like a laugh a minute, doesn't it? Um, but across the road from where my oral surgeon is, is the Ellerslie Racecourse. And I hadn't seen the old girl for a while, old Ellerslie. And it's Million weekend next weekend. We've already gone through New Year's Day and Boxing Day with no Ellerslie. Pukekohe and Tarapa doing a fantastic job. And I just wanted to see what Ellerslie was looking like. And if you've missed this, I mean, it's quite incredible, really. Imagine, like, one of our biggest sporting venues being renovated and out of action for 18 months, longer, two years, I think it's going to be. Um, I guess Christchurch hasn't had a real stadium in about 10 years. Imagine Eden Park not in action for... 18 months. We won't really know what to do with ourselves. And Ellerslie is New Zealand's Eden Park. It's New Zealand's biggest venue for racing. It is the hub. It's HQ, as we call it. And Auckland Thoroughbred Racing is a, a newly formed entity, entity where uh, counties 
and Ellerslie merged their clubs, amalgamated their assets, did something that I know Bruce Sherrick and a lot of other smart racing advocates in this country have been crying for clubs and stakeholders to do. Look at what an asset is and reimagine it. Let's think about longevity. Let's think about prosperity. And Paul Wilcox, uh, Doug Aldersleigh, Mark Chitty, the crew out there at Counties came together and they've made Auckland Thoroughbred Racing. And, and the point of that is they sold that hill in Ellerslie, if, you, if you're familiar with it. Obviously the hill that we saw so many brilliant jumpers go over, and I know that was a point of conjecture, but it was for the greater good. And that was to create a, a big fund of money where we can renovate our track and we can race for sustainable high-stakes money in horse racing for a long time there in Auckland and in the north. And Ellerslie, Auckland Thoroughbred Racing, but the Ellerslie venue will be everything New Zealand horse racing in two, three years' time. It will be the hub. It will be where trainers and jockeys and owners want their horses to run. It will be aspirational. And I'm very excited. But for it to happen, they had to completely rip up the Ellerslie track. Uh, Did you know that Auckland is a volcano, Joe? (laughs) <laughs> I, well, I didn't actually, because you told me this like, a few weeks ago that there's all this like volca- volcanic like rock underneath. Jacob, did you know that Auckland is a, a volcano? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Most people did. Yeah. And what you see when you go out there is just tons and tons and t- literal tons of volcanic uh, rock that they've dug up from underneath the racetrack as they've built this new building this new Strathair track. It's quite brilliant. It's quite a sight. It was worth getting trespassed. If I have, I am yet to see proof of this, Paul Wilcox. So that's what I did with my day. Uh, I'm very bullish about the future of New Zealand racing in the north because of what they have done and Auckland Thoroughbred Racing has done. I think patience is needed. I know because I know the people involved out there, they won't rush the track. They won't rush this job they are trying to do. I beg them not to. I think we get one crack at it. I think we do it once. We do it right. And I think it makes New Zealand racing a far more sustainable and far more, I'll use it again, prosperous industry. And it all starts at the top. And the people involved have done a really good thing here. They've done something that I'm very proud of to be a uh, racing fan in this country. It does mean that there's no Karaka Million this year. We probably won't have summer racing there next year, I would imagine. I don't know that for a fact. I'm guessing, assuming. But no Karaka Million there doesn't mean the Karaka Million horses won't race. And next weekend, we have one of the best Karaka Million nights of quality of horse flesh all in one place at the same time that I have ever seen. And that is not a hyperbole. That is not exaggeration. The card we're about to see next Saturday night at Pukekohe, not Ellerslie, for good reason, at Pukekohe, is going to be epic. It will make you double take the fields. The prize money is going to be huge. The jockeys will be locked in. The trainers will be fierce. The horses, the equine athletes will be trained to the minute and ready to lay it all out there. I can't wait for Karaka Million. Not this weekend, the weekend after. Cam Norrie has won the first set against Jury Leheka from the Czech Republic. Cam Norrie. 
We're a big Cam Norrie show here at SENZ. This is The Run Home. I'm filling in for Kirsten Beeve all week. It's Louis. We've got so much coming up. If you missed the Macca's menu, I'll let you know what we got coming up a little bit after this as well. Glenn Phillips to score three sixes in New Zealand to win at $12 at the TAB. Get on that, says Tim. I'm double eight, double three. Glenn Phillips, I think he'll be scoring runs. Will he hit three sixes? Will we win, Tim? is the bigger question because Pakistan's bowlers were fantastic. We can debate what they'll do with that team, how their 11 will look later on. It's SCNZ, it's quarter past two. After this, oh, we got an absolute gem from you, from the kitchen. I keep going down this path, I only know... SCNZ, we are 21 minutes past 2pm on your Wednesday. It's Louie here filling in for Beave and Cursed as their summer holiday still goes on, 11th of January. Guarantee you, Jacob, a wee bit of Cora would have been listened to throughout the summer up and down New Zealand. Actually, mate, the, the idea of summer and January, it's it's been something I've been thinking a wee bit about. Do you, do you spend much time thinking about what month you're in? Yeah, of course. You have to, don't you? Kind of plan your, plan your year ahead. Well, you because you're in that you're in that right in that age where you'd be starting to think about your European summer dream, right? Oh, heck yeah! My big OE, can't wait for it. Yeah, you want to go? You 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 know you be scrolling um, Instagram in kind of what are we? Uh, May, June, July, and you'd just be looking at bikini pics of girls in Europe. Yeah, <laughs> calling <laughs> handed. <laughs> it's kind of good because you got the seasonal right because then it comes summer down here in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> Well, no, this guy. no. I mean, I, I, no, 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 not in a weird way. But what I'm what I'm getting at is, any time during the year, you, you're obviously thinking deeply about the month you're in. And I was wondering, and this might be an absolutely stupid idea, as we're in January, and people are enjoying their summer, aka cursed and beef, rightly so, as they should be. Izzy Kempi as well, staff Smithy. Soaking in the summer rays. I was thinking, is January the best month of the year? It's definitely up there. It might not be the best, mightn't it? Well, I, I, personally, I feel like November would pip January for me. November? I know, you'd think that's a strange pick, but I just like November. It's late spring, early summer, good weather. The hopes of summer. It's not good. Do you remember how bad the weather was in November? Terrible. Pitch. Clearly not. <laughs> I don't know. Joe, I just do like you ever on. think about the months and what the best month of the year is? Actually, like quite obsessively. And yes, I do. And it's clear to me it's April. <laughs> what? April? <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Give, give, give me, mute your mic. Give me a spell for a second. Here I was thinking we're all just going to agree, debate whether it was December or January. And Jacob's come out and said the best month of the year is November. And then Joe's turned up and said even something more obscure, April. All right, what we're going to do, because I didn't know you guys were so quacked like that. We're going to have to have a draft, best months of the year. Double eight, double three. Before we draft, what we'll do is we're going to take... How many, there's three of us. We'll all take four. We'll take four months each. We'll do a snake draft, okay? We're gonna draft the best months of the year in snake order, and then we're gonna have four months each, and then we'll put it to a poll to see who gets the best months. By the sounds of it, we're not gonna be coming for the same months. 
That's a good thing, isn't it? Well, apparently, we're gonna we have to work could this be, out. Could be really, yeah. Everyone right, gets what they want. I'm not going for any of your months. I, th- I think you're completely wrong. <laughs> December you, or January? You have no, or no, February. no summer. Uh, th- those are those are nine and ten for me. They're way down my rank. What? I'm not even close. January second for me. Well, that's it's in your bir- your birthday month, mate. But not even close for me. Okay. Now that is bizarre. Double eight, double three. What is the best month of the year? And and you know what? There is a way to skin this that every month should, could be the best month. Because you could say July is the worst. Well, July we get the July internationals, don't we? We get rugby. Uh, August I think we get Bledisloe rugby. Cricket cricket season starts in pretty much October, doesn't it? Uh, or what about when does when does spring start? September, the breeding season, the new horse racing season in August. There are so many ways. What is the best month of the year? Double eight, double three, and why? Send some submissions in because I think Joe needs some help. I think he is very, very confused. You're confused, aren't you, Joe? I don't like being hot, Louis. Yesterday you missed the you missed the point of something. Have you missed the point of no, this? No, I I, exa- I I thought about this so much. I don't know why, but I obsess about it because I think people are wrong. They don't understand. December always sucks because December always rains and you're stressed and tired, and then January sucks because it's too hot. Oh. Says that wearing a jumper. Yeah, I, I don't wearing know. Wearing a jumper in the middle of summer. Know, what is the best month of the year? Double eight, double three, or oh eight hundred one five zero eight. Actually, if you give us a call, maybe we won't even have to do the draft. If somebody gives, if you think this is the stupidest thing you've heard on radio this year, and it's only been eleven days, just give us a call and systematically tell us what the best month of the year is, and we will put this to bed. Otherwise, later in the show, we're doing a draft. And then we're going to make you vote who picked the best months, the best four months. April for the week off, says Dale. February, when rugby starts, says Ken. Dale, Dale, Dale. That's one and two for me, actually. April, then February. Perfect. No, you can't have February. I can't have February. You just said that it's too hot. No. February's the hottest month of the year. Yep. You, <laughs> you are so aggravating. But February's my birthday month. Dale and Origin. Is that Dale Budge? Nah, Dale, I don't mind your logic there, mate. February's my birthday month. Can you hear that? Can you hear him say that? Say it again. February's my birthday month. Just the entitlement. Just the the entitlement. Woo! Double A, double three. What's the best month of the year? And we're going to draft the months in the year later on in the show. Right. Enough of that. What else has happened? John McEnroe's been axed from the Australian Open call team. Is that true? That can't be real. Yeah. I uh, read that story last night, and I believe believe it's true. Why would that? He's the best part of their commentary. Yeah, I, I agree. That's why I found it so odd. I think... Um, I mean, this is just coming from the headline, but an <laughs> AFL star <laughs> is taking his place. What are they doing? Yeah, well, we might need to we might need to open the story. Wairangi um, Kopu is joining the Warriors as a cultural ambassador. Kevin Campion, Monty Beetham, and Owen Gittenbill are all ambassadors. Yes, yes, they are. Wairangi uh, Kopu joining the Warriors as an ambassador. Uh, do you know what? I'd rather Wairangi Kopu went to training and screamed at the players and showed them how tough he was and did Broncos with them until he was the last one standing. I think we could use Wairangi Kōpū as less of an ambassador and more of a just, I'm a tough bloke, here's what you should be like kind of ambassador. Does that count? 
Anyway, Lydia Ko and Stephen Elka named Players of the Year on the Seniors Tour and the LPGA Tour. They'll be honoured at the Masters in April when Ryan Fox is there playing. It's incredible how good of a year New Zealand golf had last year. And those sorts of accolades, we'll talk to Sam Pinfold, Kiwi caddy of Cam Smith later on, about where New Zealand golf is at. But those sorts of accolades is a huge, huge testament to, well, those players and the resilience and adversity they've fought through, both of them, Lydia Coe and, and Stephen Elka, amazing. Raja Ravinja, making a case for the ODI squad after a hot run in form. I kind of tend to agree. Raja Ravinja is, he's a real talent, and he's coming up on the show after 3 o'clock. Did anybody see Colin de Gronholm last night? I know Joe wouldn't have seen it. Jacob, did you see Colin de Gronholm last night? Yeah, I'm a big Strikers fan. You are? Yeah, they're my BBL team for sure. Why? Um, well, I took a trip, uh, family trip, um, over to, Christmas to time <laughs> to Adelaide, <laughs> um, probably 2013 about BB, BBL two, I think BBL one or two. And, um, we, yeah, we just loved going to the games that we just picked them as our team and oh, let's go strikers. Yeah, let's go strikers. <laughs> let's go strikers. Uh, and Jacob has also done a family trip to Matilda before. Very interesting. Very, very, very interesting. And Hutchie's Wildcats. Knocked the breakers off last night. 93-90, Corey Webster cooking it up in the fourth quarter. Oh, punishing. The breakers play Melbourne United and Christchurch on Thursday. Punishing, Hutchie. Can you just let the breakers go? Can you just let them roll? Our breakers, your Wildcats. No, well done to the Wildcats. Uh, when They're actually still in with a hunt here. The Wildcats are not done, especially when their crowd gets up and about. We're asking you for the best... Month. What is the best month on the calendar? And we're going to draft them later in the show. Ted, Caroline, you've all come through. Carolyn, appreciate it. Double eight, double three for your texts. We'll be reading those after this. It is 29 minutes away from three. CNZ. Welcome back into the show. Louis here right and through till 6pm uh, after 5, Blair Chute talking all things Sale GP. This hour, Julian Innocent talking New Zealand Cycle Classic. He is the commentator. Right now, the matriarch is turning for home in the lead in Winton Race 2 and the $2.60 pop. Oh, looks like it's going to have plenty in the straight. Well done if you found the shorts around the matriarch. Uh, Matamata Racing gets underway very shortly. In about 10 minutes' time, Michael McNabb is your hot jock there if you're having a play at the Matamata Gallops. Cam Norrie. Well, well, well. He has found himself in a tight wee tussle here in the second set after he comfortably enough took the first set in the round of 16 at the ASB Classic. I tell you what, one thing they don't want. They do not want Cam Norrie withdrawing. This morning, actually just before we got on air, 
Uh, really sad scenes, actually. Diego Schwartzman, tears streaming down his face as the third seed had to limp off the court. He did lose the first seed against the American Brooksby, who you heard yesterday David Mustard talk about his unconventional kind of pattern and play style. 6-1, but Schwartzman clearly not himself. Now, right now, Right now, Jerry Leheka is giving Cam Norrie a bit of a scrap. It's He's 3-2 up in the uh, second set. Cam Norrie's still on serve, so no panic stations. But it's good. A good little workout for Cameron Norrie, the uh, number two seed here at the event, of course. Casper Rude, 7 p.m. tonight. Centre court. Let's go. He's a player. He's a real player. Now, the text machine, double eight double three has been going on. Off the hook. Everyone wants to tell us what the best month of the year is. 0800 the Makita phone line if you want to, if you actually want to tell us. What's the best month of the year? We're going to draft it. Ted says best month November, first Tuesday specifically. Then there's the second Tuesday, New Zealand Cup Day. And then you kind of, you get the spring vibes. It does tend to start warming up a wee bit. Mostly it just rains. Jacob, Jacob's a big November guy. So Ted, you and Jacob, you're on the you're on the same energy. Yeah, we are. No, I love I love that suggestion, Ted. Um, the reason why I like it so much is um, got a couple of birthdays yeah. that I can attend in that month of family members. Yeah, and Excuse, I just well, 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 like your nan's birthday is in November. Yeah, and yeah, my dad's. All right, best month is. <laughs> they me dinner, Louis. It's great. It's a great month. <laughs> this month is January. It's summer. I am usually on holiday, wall to wall cricket, Boxing Day test, BBL, plus tennis on both sides of the Tasman. Carolyn, let's go. You're so right. January, like ASB Classics underway. We're into the men's tournament now. The, the Australian Open's just about to getting under the way. We got New Year's Day racing. You got all the the uh, January. Wow, man, such a good month. So warm. So much fun to be had, Carolyn. Double eight, double three. What's the best month of the year? We need to head off because we need to talk some cycling. New Zealand Cycling Classic with. Our man commentating the event, Julian Innocent. I think they find themselves in Masterson or around that kind of central plateau of New Zealand at the moment. We'll check in, see how the, the event is going, how long it's been going for, and who are the names we need to follow as the New Zealand Cycling Classic really starts to tighten up and heat up throughout the next couple of days. It is wet in Matamata. Very, very wet in Matamata. Mm. Hey, at least it's not weird in Auckland for the ASB Classic where Cam Norrie is going. I'll let you know how that match is going in just a second. But right now we're going to catch up with a man who's been very good to give us his time. It's Julian Innocent, the commentator for a great event on the New Zealand sporting calendar, the New Zealand Cycling Classic. And he's with us now. G'day, Julian. Good afternoon. How's things? Yeah, super, mate. Super. How did stage one go today? They were uh, mastered into Alfredton to Masterton, so... What do we need to know, and what are your big headlines after the first stage of the Classic? Well, it's interesting to hear you mention about the dampness around the country because, man, did these guys experience some rain here today. They got underway at uh, 10 o'clock this morning for what was going to be the longest stage of this year's tour at 158k, but uh, it was soon recognised partway through the stage that they had to shorten one of the circuits there by some 30-odd kilometres 
because the rain was just bucketing down. It was very dark in places. There were trees screwing across the road. There was all sorts with surface flooding for these riders. So not only did they have to try and contest amongst some 90-odd riders from the 15 teams, but they also had to deal with some very challenging conditions, which I think was a bit of a shock to the system for a number of them, of course, being their first tour and first major race of the year. Now that is hectic. That is hectic, oh, Julian, was. because the, look, we know that these cyclones have been coming and they've worked their way down from the north. I'm so stoked that the tennis gets to go ahead today outdoors. So they knew that there would have been the potential for it, but you, you can't really prepare for what you're explaining there. No, not at all. And that, um, I mean, for the riders, as we spoke to the eventual stage winner, now the man in yellow going into day two, James Orham, and that just finished having a chat with him recently. And he just said, he said, yeah, of course, it always looks worse in the car, but uh, oh, I don't know. I think there was a few riders that would be very, very pleased that the um, decision was made to shorten. And I think it was a good move. And that it certainly didn't um, take away from the fact that it was a very hard stage. One that was raced at a phonetic pace. And that these riders, after an extended neutral section, still managed to average over 44 kilometres an hour. And that they were uh, pretty much getting over 50 to 60k an hour through some of the descents there today. And as I said, in very dark and challenging winding roads there out towards Alfreton in that time as part of the stage. And eventually, we saw a break form itself off with about 20k to go. And the first man to do that was James Harvey of the New Zealand national team. Now, he got away with about 20k to go. Now, those who follow cycling in New Zealand will know this man well. And that uh, he got himself off the front and at one stage had some 35 seconds. And it was looking pretty good for him. But eventually uh, we saw three or four riders jump across to him, which had the likes of James Orham. It had Xander White, who should now move up into the under-23 lead after getting third in the stage. Ryan Kavner from Kainan Cycling from the Japanese team from Australia. He secured second place. And the silver medalist from the Commonwealth Games and the mountain biking, Ben Oliver. And that he was another man to make that junction across. So they were the five that held off the chasing peloton who finished approximately 10 to 15 seconds or so behind them, a little short, sharp climb at the end of the day. But it was Orem who had all the pleasure of putting his hands up in the air to say, I've taken out the stakes, not only this year, but also for their team for the third time in this particular stage of the tour. Hey, Julian, you mentioned, and that is a, that's a very tidy description there of how the uh, individuals went. You mentioned there was 15-odd teams. Did How, how does it work? How, when, what stage during... The classic, do you start to work out which teams are really putting themselves in and all around having are going to have a great event? Do we know straight away today which teams look the strongest? No, I think it's um, today reveals um, a portion of what could be coming in, that, in the coming days here, but uh, you never really sort of know until they make their way further into a tour, particularly the way in which this tour is structured. I mean, they've been talking um, quite a bit about uh, day three, of course, and that's why they head into the winery district into Martinborough, which is often a bunch kick, but it's the following day where there is some significant climbs and they've brought back into the fold this year after a year off last year, Admiral's Hill, but they've got a lot of climbing before that. I think that'll be the day in particular that you'll really start to see who's got the fitness levels, who have got the stronger teams to do so. But of course, each of the teams, and typically all of them have started with uh, six riders in their team, so the 15 teams there, have got a particular role to play. There'll be some here for the climbing, there'll be some here for the sprinting, some of the workhorses for the team, and some have got uh, multiple players available to um, try and outwit the rest of the other teams. What do they do with the the 40 kilometres they had to skim? Where, where are they going to place that again, or is that just, it's gone? They can't, they can't reschedule right. it? 
Yeah, no, just scrub. I mean, still, I mean, they still hit 124 odd kilometres and it's uh, out there today, so it's a significant um, chunk of road to be able to cover um, for these riders here. But no, that just gets removed from the uh, from the tour, and it's um, and it's still all about being first across the line and ultimately getting being Mr. Consistent to try and secure that yellow jersey. You don't have to take that every stage, but so you want to be consistent to ensure that you can uh, come home with the shortest amount of time over the five days of racing. What's your spidey sense telling you, Jules? Are we going to get terrible weather again tomorrow for Stage 2, Marston and Martinborough, or do you think we might get a reprieve? Or the, I shouldn't say we. Do you think the poor cyclists are going to get a reprieve? Well, I come from the sunny south, of course, and out there from Mbukag, which you might have picked up with this rolling R. But, um, yeah, a beautiful but part of the world. Absolutely, but the locals sitting very close by to me tell me tomorrow there could be the rain might have eased off of it and hopefully not as heavy as so. They were expecting it to be um, quite uh, challenging here today, but uh, hopefully, and that based on the, the crowds we had last year in Martinborough as well, it'll be fantastic for people to come out and see international racing at its best. I mean, after the borders being opened up, to have so many teams here and so many different countries involved. I mean, we've got riders from Guam, from Thailand, from the Netherlands, Australia, um, just to name a few that are involved in this year's tour. And um, to be able to see that up close and personal is a um, great opportunity. Brilliant, mate. Hey, we might have to touch base with you again tomorrow and on Friday because it sounds like it's just going to heat up from here, Julian. Appreciate your time and all your good work around the New Zealand Cycling Classic, man. Well, I look forward to it. Thanks very much. There you go, Julian Innocent. Uh, very detailed there. Sounds like an absolute war zone for those poor cyclists as they got hammered. But we've got a yellow jersey winner, leader, wearer, and they'll try and make their case for the New Zealand Cycling Classic. What a great event it is every time this year. One of my favourite events on the New Zealand sporting calendar. Eight minutes away from three o'clock. After this, how's this? Hot off the press. The finalists for the Helberg Awards with a glaring omission. You want to hear someone rant and vent? Not your relatives at Christmas time or your grandparents? Your uncles, it'll be me, and it'll be about James McDonald after this. Louis here through till 6 o'clock, and wowee, what do we have? A Halberg's finalist list. And now this is this is a kettle, of, a kettle, a kettle, a can of worms. A kettle of fish, is that what they say? They, I don't even know if I really want to open. I'd rather just talk about what your favourite month of the year is, but you kind of stopped texting about that. And it's still there, double eight, double three. Ah. <sighs> The Halberg's debates are just usually exhausting and often completely flawed, if not wounding and punishing, because the reality is pretty much everybody that gets made a finalist and nominated for these awards, which are obviously this year going to be special with the passing of Samari Halberg, um, they awfully, usually all deserve to have won the awards. They're, they're elite achievers at the highest level, and they've all done special things. But I personally have got so frustrated with the lack of understanding, which actually has morphed into the lack of respect for our equine-based athletes, namely the world's best jockey, two years running, who's won double digits group ones around the world, went to Ascot, beat them up, has broken all sorts of records. Bookmakers enlist a James McDonald tax on punters because he's that good, and he can't get his way onto the Sportsman of the Year finalist list. Alongside Aaron Gate, Dylan Schmidt, Nico Porteous, Paul Cole, Shane Van Gisbergen. I understand you'd have to take one of them off. 
I could probably come up with a couple you'd take off instead of James McDonald there. It just is frustrating. It's insulting. But that's okay, because you can't get too wound up about it, because they're all high achievers. And so what will be, will be. I'll let you know who the, what are the other finalists after this. There are some great acknowledgements to some great Kiwis. You're listening to ECNZ. Stay with us after the news. It's a beautiful day. CNZ, four minutes past three o'clock. Hey, and we've still got texts coming in about what the best month of the year is. Andy says March for me, fishing trips galore. Andy and Tauranga, what's the best month of the year? We're going to draft the months in the year later on in the show. So I'd love to know from you what you actually think the best month in the year is, and tell us why. Uh, Tim in the 09 has a question for Sam Pinfold he'd like. Well, Tim, you circle back in one hours time and we'll be chatting to Sam Pinfold we're going to catch up with Rachin Ravindra in just a second to talk about cricket after they monstered the central no Otago vaults yesterday they absolutely monstered them and speaking of uh, the Ford trophy we've got today's match going on between the central Stags and Canterbury as well. I'm uh, just trying to get you that score because uh, we spoke to Tom Bruce yesterday and he was very excited for a top of the table clash down there. Uh, Central Stags, 254 8. Canterbury required 251 runs of 50 overs, so they're full set. And that's just in the innings break there. There you go. So set 251 to win. Canterbury, right now. Uh, Cam Norrie, ooh, wee. This is a very hectic second set against Laheka, who leads 6-5. Cam Norrie is on advantage on his service point here. So, looks like it's going to be a second set tiebreak in the ASB Classic. The second seed, Cam Norrie, going at it. I will let you know the finalists for the rest of the Halberg Awards in just a second, but we got the main man, the century maker, waiting on the line. So, I couldn't be so rude to leave him waiting any longer. It's Rashan Ravindra, obviously, of the Wellington Firebirds, who must be feeling pretty good about himself because yesterday was some sort of day out for your Firebird side, Rachin. Afternoon, man. Hey, afternoon, mate. How are you? Yeah, super. What about you guys? Team must be vibing today. Absolute hiding down there. <laughs> yeah, I guess, no, it was uh, definitely a good day for us. I wouldn't call it an absolute hiding, but, no, nah, things, things sort of, Went according to plan, and I guess we're happy with the result the way it sort of um, finished up. Well, you've conceded 282 runs, which is fair enough because it's a batting bit of a baddest paradise down there, isn't it? And you've you've managed to win by more than 100 runs, so it kind of still is a hiding. Yeah, for sure. I guess you put it in that sort of context, but nah, I think I think we're happy the way we went about it. I guess obviously it's never easy playing playing down there. Short boundaries usually a pretty good wicket, um, but we we found a way to sort of. Uh, we've, we found a sort of like a, I guess, a process to go with, with our bat, and then uh, the bowlers really sort of backed us up. 
and that's it. If you can put pressure on with the bat, set a big total, it's as kind of the theory as old as cricket, right? You can put a big total on, all the squeeze goes on with your bowlers and it just becomes that much easier. Um, you personally, mate, you must have been pretty stoked with the way it was coming out of the middle because you've scored a lot of runs for a few years now, but such affluent innings, such affluent innings going better than a, a run a ball. So what did it feel like out in the middle? Oh, no, th- th- thanks for that, mate. No, it was good. It was... um. Yeah, I guess some some days you get uh, things sort of the ball sort of comes on nicely, especially on that wicket, and it was a nice sort of fast outfield. So you feel in good rhythm, and obviously the guys around me help, helped out. I was able to communicate with with my team throughout, and it was um, yeah, I guess yeah, it's a good feeling, definitely um, ball by ball. But but look, I think more happy about sort of getting the win and uh, progressing our sort of uh, points in this campaign. So uh, another point for the Firebirds, and today the top of the table clash. Stags and uh, Canterbury down there at Hagley. So that's going on. Hagley are yet to bat. The Ford Trophy is a wonderful competition and the parity across the competition is something why I think it is one of our best domestic comps across any sport. What is it about the Firebirds this year that you feel like you guys are starting to find some rhythm and and hit your straps? I think, yeah, definitely. Last year probably wasn't our our best year and we've had some uh, incredible success over the past sort of three, four years, but I think uh, credit to full credit to the players for I guess for creating that environment, the, the sort of uh, motivation to continue to learn, but enjoy and enjoying each other's success at the same time. But also the support staff that we brought in as well, and the guys who came before that also really laid the foundation. And I guess having BJ Watling as our head coach, who's played so much cricket, keeps things very calm. Like the guys sort of played 80 plus tests just out of the game. You know, um, you can't you can't really complain having that sort of IP in the changing room. So yeah, I think. The way things are tracking is pretty, going pretty well, so hopefully we can sort of continue that momentum. So what are you learning this year, Rachin? You've, As I said, you actually have been around for a, a number of years, obviously hit the scene pretty young. Um, so you've got a decent amount of experience on the domestic scene. What's something that you have learnt from BJ or just about yourself and, and you're putting you in good rhythm this year where you are managing to score runs? And no doubt, and we can talk about your aspirations in a wee bit, no doubt you want to knock back on that door of the New Zealand changing room. So what's something you've learnt this year and, and has put you in good stead? I think I think a lot of the time, like you probably, uh, personally for me, like you always, if you get like a one or two low scores, you're always trying to search for things and probably get a bit tensed up and be like, hey, like, what can I do? Obviously, yeah, you still work hard and you do your process in the nets, but I think um, letting things happen, I guess you, you have your, your big goal and your intent to do whatever you want to do. and then But then as soon as you're in that game scenario, you sort of trust what you've done. And, and then I guess that's been, that's been helpful in just being able to just be, be present and just watch the ball instead of trying to worry about everything else that's happening around me, if that, if that sort of makes sense. No. But yeah, it's still definitely a work, work in progress, definitely, but... Um, it feels it feels also that as a whole team, like we've sort of been like, okay, like let's keep calm, let's stay calm, and let the game sort of come because we've worked hard enough to be in these positions, you know. Oh, I completely hear what you're saying, Matt. I actually, um, I read we we Riley McCullum, who's a great who's a great young man. He's scoring runs down there in the under nineteen competition, um, which you know well. And I read that he said that his old man Baz had told him, you know, he always tells him runs will come, runs will come. Just don't get in your own head. Last thing you can do, worst thing you can do, runs are going to come. The runs will come. You know that you are good enough. And I thought that was. Hearing Riley say that, you could almost hear that coming from Baz because that was always his philosophy, right? And I guess cricket's such an isolating sport. It is hard to get out of your own head, do you find? Oh, I think so. Like, I think if you, if you ask the majority of cricketers that say uh, cricket is, I mean, historically people have said cricket is 90% mental. 
So I guess yeah, you take that and you're like, well, how much how much time do we spend on our skills compared to our mental game? And I think it um, by doing that as well, it make I guess not really untap things. Everyone's got that sort of um, the potential to tap into themselves inside them, but it's just about I guess the understanding around them and right what Riley said was like a great message and that's the whole reason why the Black Caps have been so successful over the last sort of 10, 10 or so years because of that sort of culture that Baz has um, had brought in and I think it's testament to his sort of future thinking is pioneering um, in terms of the way the guys are going at the moment. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point, mate. And, and you, you had a bit of time in that environment. Um, you must be itching to get back there. What what, what did – where are you at, mate? Like, where, where are you at aspirationally? Are you you're feeling good batting, bowling? Where are you working and where do you think you need to be before you can get yourself back in that mixer? Yeah, I mean, it, every time, like you see the Black Ass you want to be involved and obviously having a taste of a few tests and a few T20s, you always want to be back there and playing every sort of game. But I think, like, yeah – Batting and bowling, I just I think I'm lucky enough to do both, and I can sort of contribute with both um, both aspects wherever I have a bad day with either or. But I think at the end of the day, like like I sort of mentioned before, like yes, I've definitely got aspirations to play every game I can for the, for the Black Caps, and I'd love to contribute to to winning trophies, um, etc. Down the line, but I think whatever I can do right now, and right now it's sort of playing my cricket for Wellington and uh, hoping we can win competitions here, and then whatever will happen will happen, and as long as I can take care of what's happening now, I guess and um, have that sort of approach to it. Have you found, th- have you, I always ask all of you domestic cricketers that I get to speak to, I, I find it really curious the way that the schedule works and you've had a bit of practice now of kind of going T20 to white ball and obviously the red ball wrapping around it. How do you find that? Especially as an all-rounder, um, you're always trying to take wickets and obviously tie down run rates, that sort of thing. But then coming out and trying to score, do you manage to toggle between 50 over and 20 over cricket Okay. Yeah, I think I think the the biggest sort of the switch is probably like the Red Bull format to T20, right? Which I think I think and also bowling is definitely more of a shift from T20 to one day cricket because it's you're there to sort of patiently bowl your length and look to prize our wickets, whereas T20 the bat is going to come at you, so you've got you're finding a way to be unpredictable and make them not not score essentially, whereas it's it's different. But I think for me, my, the way I bat as well, it helps because I guess my, my natural tempo is just my one-day tempo. Yep. And then I don't really change too much about it. And I think the way I've sort of grown up batting, and I, I guess I'm like technical in that way, and my game doesn't necessarily change too much, just one or two more attacking options in T20 cricket, which I think is definitely a positive. And um, that means it doesn't have to be too much tinkering, but as long as you know what your options are and um, still obviously still playing with that positive intent that's sort of been jumped into us by the coaching staff. Um, it definitely helps that way. Oh, some of that, some of your work off the back foot yesterday, mate, uh, it was very, very tidy, aggressive intent, and, and that's why we wanted to chat to you today because it was a lovely innings. Hey, you um, you obviously bowl a bit of the stuff, so I'll ask you because we've been talking about the Black Caps and especially in an ODI year. Mitch Santner, why is he so hard to hit? Like, why do the world's best batsmen struggle with Mitch Santner so much? Yeah, Sans is an incredible bowler. I think he he's almost criminally underrated, which is so. uh, which is crazy to think because he's he's an incredible bowler and he's someone I uh, almost study a lot on um, the way he bowls in white ball cricket. But I think one like he gets a lot on the ball, which makes it like very difficult, a lot of dip and a lot of bounce from his height. But like his, I think the the main thing is his pace control. He can go in between the slow pace and quick pace without much cue or tell for the batsman at all. So it's everything's happening, I guess, at release point. Um, that's something Vittori was incredible at as well. He was able to just mix up those slight variations on the exact same length, which is, um, you know, that's 
that's a serious skill, and he's been doing it for a number of years. So anytime he he, he bowls, it's just a real wonder what. I don't actually remember the last time he got hit at all. It just doesn't really happen. He just he is an anchor at one end, at one end, isn't he? And um, it's just about a moment at the moment trying to find someone that can go with him in that middle there through those fifty over games. We got more cricket tonight. Well, we it's live on SCNZ, so you can chuck it on the pillow as you you're not off, mate. Hey, Ratchin, great to catch up with you. All the best for the rest of the domestic season, getting back into the T20s. Hopefully, the Firebirds go deep in both, so we can chat again. Brilliant, Louis. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks for having me. There you go, Ratchin Ravinger. Super dude, very, very good, uh, well, all-rounding talent. Been on the scene for a long time, knocked on the door for a long time. He did get a crack. He got three tests. He's played six T20s internationals for the Black Caps. Uh, Tricky scenarios from memory of when he did play, not necessarily set up to fail or anything like that, but just I would love to see Ratchin get back there and, He's so young. Here's one thing I didn't quite grasp. He's only 23 still. So he's only just turned 23. We've got plenty of time for Rach and Ravinja. He's played a lot of cricket. Averages more than 50 both in first-class cricket and in Ford Trophy List A cricket. Uh, 56.4, incredible average there um, in List A cricket. So there you go. Rach and Ravindra, a big ton yesterday. A very, very big ton Yesterday. Sorry, let me correct correct that. Averages 32 and 38 in first class in list day cricket. Uh, in his batting, with his batting averages there. Um, has bowled a lot as well. A real all-rounding talent. A real all-round talent. And that was a big ton yesterday. Rachin Ravindra as the Wellington Firebirds went absolutely berserk on the Otago vaults down there. At University of Otago Oval with those short boundaries. It is now 17 minutes past 3 o'clock. Canterbury, four without loss. First ball of the uh, their innings has been put away to the fence. Uh, 21 minutes past 3 o'clock. Plenty of live sport going on trying to keep you updated with the ASB Classic. Well, 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 Cam Norrie has to make... Well, I tell you what, the crowd will be stoked because he's on centre court for another, another uh, set. He's dropped the second to Leheka, 7-6 in a tiebreak. So there you go. Third set, Cam Norrie and Leheka on centre court at the ASB Classic. I'll give you the rest of those Halberg finalists after this. 22 minutes past 3 o'clock. Uh, agree, Louis. James McDonald is New Zealand's best current sportsman. Halberg's becoming already very woke Mike. I don't know how the woke Mike, but I just think the judges don't understand racing, and I think it's disrespectful to not understand something you're judging on. And if they're going to tell me they do understand racing, then you're wrong that he's not in the finalist group. He's the world's best jockey. Do you understand how big the world is? Am I trying to make it too simple? (laughs) I'm probably going to have to tell you who I take off the list for us to be, um, well, I guess a genuine point I try to make. How about I do that after this? 22 minutes past three. SNZ 27 minutes past 3 o'clock. Uh-oh. You never want to see the bull boys and girls wiping the court down with towels because that typically means it started spitting. at Stanley Street for the tennis. And I have noticed that they haven't got the third set underway just yet. So hoping Cam Norrie can finish his job here against Leheka and progress because they've already lost the third seed, Schwartzman today.
out of the tournament. Thoroughly enjoyed catching up with Rachin Ravinja to start there. What an interesting guy. Very thoughtful and I think is not too far away from getting another crack at the top job there with the black caps. So spin tonight will be very interesting to see what they are what they're gonna go with. Ish Sodi I probably would say will play. Just going by how well the spinners worked. Um, Michael Bracewell in particular playing extremely well, Mitchell Santner, and then Glenn Phillips picking up a wicket. So you'd think they might go to their traditional leg spin option in East Sodi. What does that mean for Henry Shipley, though? It would be sad to see him dropped after one game. Might just be necessary. Now, talking about James McDonald, I'm blowing up yet again because he's not been made finalist of the Sportsman of the Year in the Hellbooks. Aaron Gate, cycling, incredible season. What did he win? Five goals at the Com Games? Four? Four or five? I think four. Dylan Schmidt, World Cup winner in Bulgaria, I think it was, on the trampoline. Nico Porteous, snow sport. Yes, let's go. Nico Porteous was incredible. Uh, him and Zoe Sadowski Senate. Paul Cole. Colsey. What a year for Colsey. World number one in squash. Now, that is a sport that is played globally. Shane Van Gisbergen, motorsport. Great year for SVG. SVG. Here's the thing. James McDonald should be on this finalist list ahead of Shane Van Gisbergen. Shane Van Gisbergen is very, very, very good very, 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 very good at driving cars. Uh, he obviously is a talent because what he can do in rally car. This is not a knock on Shane Van Gisbergen. I feel like you have to say that when you do these debates. It's not a knock on Shane Van Gisbergen. Shane Van Gisbergen is laps better than the rest of the supercars division at the moment. But it's a division of motorsport in a country of Australia. James McDonald went to Royal Ascot and won their biggest sprint race. He literally is the best jockey in the world. Literally in the world. He won 10, I think, or 9 of the races that they rate that award out of. You get points awarded for first, second, third in the top 100 races in the world. This is how the best jockey in the world is done. He won 9 times on them. And 5 different horses. His work winning the Cox Plate with Animo, Australia's best Wait for Age Group 1 was incredible. It's just punishing. But they all deserve to be there in one capacity or another. And it's not a knock on either Dylan Schmidt or Shane Van Gisbergen. It's just my opinion. Uh, Sports Woman of the Year, Elise Andrews. Yeah, incredible efforts at the Commonwealth Games. Lisa Carrington, she's always got to be there. Lydia Ko, give it to her again. Why wouldn't it be? Aruahi DeMont, incredible season. World's best women's rugby player. And Zoe Sinowski Sinner. That is a really tight field. For me, it's out of Lydia Ko and Zoe Sinowski Sinner. The team of the year, Black Ferns, obviously. Joelle King and Amanda Landers Murphy squash. Joelle King and Paul Cole squash. Whoa, a lot of love for squash here. Kerry Williams and Grace Prendergast rowing. Yeah, they've done a hell of a job. And the New Zealand eventing team, which got their first medal in a long time. Great to see them honoured. I will let you know the coach of the year, emerging talent, and the para in just a bit. But we have to head off to Johnny with the news. I've got your texts here on double eight, double three, starting to stack up. We'll get those through in just a second. But here is Johnny at 28 away from four.
26 minutes away from 4 o'clock. It's SCNZ having a huge time here uh, on a oh, lovely Wednesday afternoon. It's a bit damp around the country. The spirits, though, are those sky high. I love the Halbergs because I love getting mad about the Halbergs. I don't. I just would prefer it if they just saved everyone the hassle and did their job. Oh, James McDonald deserves a spot in this finalist group alongside Aaron Gate, alongside... Nico Porteous, alongside Paul Cole. Hey, alongside Shane Van Gisbergen and Dylan Schmidt, I understand I'm a big boy, not everybody can fit in, but I think they left the wrong man out. Double eight, double three, argue with me. 0800 150 811. Am I a, a racing homer? Am I missing the picture? Am I hazed? I don't think I am. Uh, we've got some good questions for Sam Pinfold steaming in. One from Pac-Man. Ah, Pac-Man. Good to hear from you. Um, April is the best month of the year, says Grant, because of the Masters. Well, Sam will be there. So will Ryan Fox. Hey, so will Lydia Ko and Steve Elker, if they wanted to be award- getting their uh, recognition for Player of the Year on their respective tour. We'll talk to all of that. Uh, talk to pinners about all of that. If you have a question for Sam Pinfold, who's Sam Pinfold? Here's Cam Smith's caddy, double eight, double three. Getting a nice little list here. We can chuck those to him when he joins the show just after four o'clock. Mike says, okay, maybe Helberg's not woke, but they're overly focused on New Zealand-based sport. While the White Ferns, Black Black Ferns victory was great, there were only ever three teams that could win. Same with the netball. All Blacks this year, maybe four teams. But on a world stage, how does that rate? Lisa Carrington, fabulous athlete. But is canoeing a world sport in the truest sense? I think not. I tend to agree, Mike. Where's Scott McLaughlin? Dixon, Chris Wood, Stephen Adams, they're never in the conversation, along with James McDonald. What does that say? Myopic New Zealand. Whoa! Could you use the word myopic, Mike? Um, I see where you're going. I've asked these same questions before, to be honest, mate. I mean, obviously, these people have to be nominated. Uh, That's the first port of call. You, You can't just be plucking names. This is where we get into trouble with the Hellbergs because are we are we genuinely trying to line athletes versus athletes up as to what their accomplishments mean? No, I don't think we are. But we are asking for what recognition means the most. Like what what recognition actually means the most? And being the best in the world for me that equates that equates. Sam says, any chance of some sports chat today? I thought I had the mail run on. Oh, Sam, gutted, mate. Absolutely gutted. I'm talking about the Halberg Awards, which is New Zealand's biggest sporting awards that where they recognise our athletes that play and <coughs> compete in sport. Absolutely gutted. Is that your way of saying I'm biased? Give me a call, Sam. Am I wrong? Should James McDonald not be a finalist? I'd love to hear from you, Jack. I'd love to hear from you, Sam. 0800-150-811. 22 minutes away from 4 o'clock. Keep your text messages coming in. Appreciate you texting, Sam. Uh, look, maybe it is my racing tinge, but this is about sport, and this is about racing's place in the sporting world. Gareth Hall, he's not far away. Oh, no, it's racing. Magic Millions chat. Sam, ears, earmuffs, Sam.
SNZ, we are 17 away from 4 o'clock. It's Louis here in for Kirsten Beeve this week. And how's this? Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you which bloke will love this. It's Gareth Hall. He's on the Gold Coast. He's SE in track. He's everything giddy up. He's a hell of a judge, and he's a good bloke. And you will laugh at this, Gareth. I've gone rogue, and Sam has texted, and he said, I'm with you on your rants about J-Mac, but when you were playing a live race from who knows where, you made the cat jump off the bench. Well, that's what summer's about, isn't it, brother? Unbelievable, Louie. Great to be with you, mate. Yep, there's nothing better um, than cheering home a winner, mate. So, um, yeah, great to be on the show. And the Gold Coast has turned it on, as they always do. It's just a terrific carnival, um, terrific for racing. And it's been a pretty good start at the sales over the first couple of days. Um, Plenty of money being thrown around, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So, like, the reason I wanted to chat to you, Gareth, is because we, we, we obviously we have our wonderful New Zealand bloodstock Karaka sales here, and I hear that you're going to be on the ground. But for the context and for our listeners, like, Magic Millions, what they've done and what they've built around this pretty much a carnival, could you paint the picture for us on how big the scale is? So it just continues to get bigger and better each year, Louis. So they've got wonderful support. Magic Millions and their organisation um, with Racing Queensland and have been able to just put together a carnival that just gets bigger and better each year. And it's one of the best equine carnivals in the world. And it's not just about the sales or their $13 million race day on Saturday, but they had polo on um, last Sunday along with a $1.5 million show jumping competition. So they're really promoting the, the wonderful animal, which is the thoroughbred, and they're just proving that, yep, um, they're wonderful athletes to purchase and have some fun with, but there is careers for these gallopers outside of racing. So um, it's the biggest event nearly for the whole year in Queensland. It's clearly the biggest time of the year on the Gold Coast, which is one of Australia's great tourist destinations. So um, it's the brainchild of Jerry Harvey and Paddy Cage, um, um, uh, um, Harvey and, and their work, uh, Katie Page, I should say, and their work to to think outside of the square, um, dream big, and they've been able just to deliver one hell of a carnival that gets people um, coming from all over the world to the Gold Coast to to, to witness this week. So Tiako, who have been buying big already, Dave Ellis. Now yep. they they did try, I think, last year with a Philly. Blue Sky, Blue Sky, the name kind of vaguely escapes me to go back. It's so hard to do. I don't think we've had much success, to be honest. Does that mean that the racing, the level of racing in the carnival is worthy of the prize money? Or is there still those that might look at it like it's a bit gimmicky and it's not quite your elite carnival level, which it couldn't be in Australia because the racing's so strong in autumn and, and spring. But on the actual turf, is the racing matching the hype? Yeah, 100%. Brennan um, Parnell, the CEO of Racing Queensland, indicated that it's their biggest turnover day now on Saturday, bigger than the Stradbroke Day, wow. which is a time-honoured race in Queensland. So um, the nation will be um, watching. It'll be the biggest the biggest day in the country, clearly, on Saturday, and they'll be all watching um, the races on the Gold Coast with so much prize money up for grabs. Next year, the two-year-old Classic and the, the three-year-old Guineas will be worth $3 million dollars you got the best trainers, the best jockeys um, competing on the Gold Coast. And, um, yeah, as I said, it, it's just getting bigger and better each year. And um, they're inventing new races each year. They've got a, a syndication race worth a million dollars. So 
Horses are only eligible if they've got 20 or more people involved in the ownership. And they've also got like huh. um, um, a million-dollar debutante race. So horses having their first start um, will be competing for a million dollars on Saturday. So what they're doing is they're making sure that they – well, they're, they're obviously thinking outside of the square, um, but they are thinking of new races every year. So people come to these sales and they want to purchase a horse and they get their girlfriends and their wives or their sisters and their mums involved because – um, there's a $500,000 bonus for the, the first horse home in a two-year-old classic that's owned by a women's syndicate. So um, they do it really well. They get it. They've got wonderful ambassadors. Princess Sarah's in town. Um, I interviewed Mike Tindall on Giddy Up yesterday, the rugby legend from the UK that's married to Princess Sarah. So um, they've got royalty here that promote the carnival. Billy Slater, the great rugby league player, um, for the Melbourne Storm in Queensland and now the current coach for the Queensland State of Origin team. Um, he's an ambassador as well. So, um, yeah, they're the talk of Queensland. Um, they get people involved in this carnival that are outside the racing bubble and they get new people into the game. And It just works, mate. Um, they're, they're very good at what they do. Now, being the big royalist you are, Gareth, it would have been an absolute yeah. treat to speak to Mike while the uh, the Great Royal War of 2023 rages on in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. So no doubt he weighed in and had some sterling opinions on Harry. I'm not a hard-hitting journalist like you, Louis. I was probably warned a little bit not to go there. But <laughs> he, did touch on, he did touch on Queen Elizabeth and um, his time talking to her about breeding. And he just started to really get into the breeding game since he married. Um, Princess Sarah, what, 10 or so years ago. So, um, yeah, so I didn't go down that No, uh, fair that enough, path, mate. But I think Harry's giving everyone a few headaches. In fact, I'm really over-talking about um, um, Harry, but I know everybody loves it. Yeah, um, we're, we're sick for it, mate. We're, we're sick. Well, people are sick for it. Like, we're sick for the punts, probably the better way to put it. And speaking of the pump, yeah. we, we've been banging on about J-Mac all day because he's he's missed out again for being finalist in New Zealand Sporting Awards um, it's just an insane neglection of what racing actually is and what he's achieved. So we've been banging that drum this afternoon, and I see he's on the favourite Empire of Japan, which has got a lot of talent about it, but drawn out for the Snowdens in the two-year-old classic, which is the big dance. Is he going to win again, J-Mac? Can he keep going, and is this the right horse to be on? Well, he's a very good horse, owned by Newgate Farm and Henry Field was the leading vendor with Newgate Farm last year, and they've got a wonderful catalogue in this time around. And, of course, they're going up against Arrowfield, which is another powerhouse farm here in this country, of course, headed by John Massara. But James McDonald, um, everybody wants him on their horses. And Empire of Japan um, was very impressive on debut in one of the early two-year-old races, the breeders Clayton Sydney, and then was defeated fair and square by a horse by the name of Platinum Jubilee. Um, there the other day. Um, so he had his colours lowered, but he's a very good horse and um, he'll be tough to beat because I think he's drawn pretty well come come Saturday in that two-year-old classic Empire of Japan. So I give him a wonderful chance. I think a horse by the name of Summer, Summer Loving's a great each-way hope. I know Gabe Waterhouse, before she had her first start, said this is the best two-year-old that she's trained since Piero. Um, so that's a big statement Whoa. there. Um, and she gets the blinkers, and she hasn't had too much luck in the first couple of starts. She should have won on debut um, in Sydney, and then Drew Barry won in a Magic Millions race at Wyong, which isn't the Barry draw that they um, 
that you want there at Wyong. So the $16 quote, I give her a wonderful chance. And um, I'm also keen on the stablemates of Empire of Japan in Sovereign Fun. He's been a little easy because Jamie Carr's got to overcome a white gate. But um, I thought he was impressive the other day in Brisbane and he won nicely on the boo. He won that Wyong race that I was just talking about. So I'll be back in Sovereign Fun and also Platinum Jubilee. All right. Oh, not Platinum Jubilee. Sorry, Summer Loving. Summer Loving at at an absolute price. You are sick for it. That is is great uh, info there, G. And make sure you go and corral any horses that are wanting to run down the queue. One last one. I'll, I'll give you this as a wee handball on your way out. Today... Sandown, race three. There's a horse in those wonderful Aussie care colours jumping out called Gringotts, and it trialled huge Tiawamutu in New Zealand. And there's been a couple of good judges spruik it up. So that's race three at Sandown, a good purr and well, canto, Kiwi bread. I've got some information for you. Our great mate, and he joins me every Monday on the means test with Wayne Hawks, Johnny O'Neill. Um, he's in that syndicate with Aussie Kerr. Of course, they won a feature three-year-old race recently in those colours um, Pier, Pier in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they know how to find a good Kiwi. Um, they have uh, given that horse a pretty good push there um, this afternoon. But I've got a couple for you today if you want it, if you want them. I think none thought some a moral and a first. So it's, I know it's short now, but just put that into your multi. Um, and I've got one for you as well. There's a horse called Brazen Kingdom in that second race. You know when you're at these sales, Louis, and all the big trainers. You got, you got 30 here. seconds, G. All right, get on. Brazen Kingdom. The whisper's pretty strong. $3.80. Race two, number five. at stand down. You can thank me later. And you can buy me buy me dinner when I get to New Zealand for the Karak. Uh, I know exactly what you mean about those sales. And when it comes from the, the PG Moody camp, I know exactly what would have happened there. Uh, beautiful stuff. Gareth, the host of Giddy Up on SCN Track. He does a fantastic job. Very, very, very good judge. And he has given us all the information on the Magic Millions. Right now, Matamata Race 3 is racing. We'll let you know the result of that after this. ACNZ with three minutes past four o'clock here. Uh, having a bunch of fun. Great to have everybody texting on double eight double three. We are asking still, we are going to draft the months of the year. Joe, Jacob and myself. The lads are riding shotgun. And we're going to draft the months of the year and then we'll see who came up with the best four months. So if you have a strong petition to make for one of the months of the year, double eight double three. Or give me a call, 0800 150 811. Right. I did say earlier we were going to get through the rest of the Hellberg finalists. I know Craig thinks they are boring. I think the coach of the year is interesting. Craig Palmer, cycling for the men's track. Gordon Walker, he's always there. Sean Thompson, uh, Gordon Walker's Lisa Carrington, or the sprint kayak team's coach. Uh, Sean Thompson, the snow sport coach. Uh, I believe... That is Zoe Sadowski, Senate's coach. Tommy Pyatt is the long-standing coach of Nico Porteous and Wayne Smith, who you would have to think is probably a lay-down Mazzera. 
you would have to think he's a layup. Wayne Smith, what he did to the Black Ferns was nothing short of scintillating. I've made my point clear around James McDonald. Uh, we had Charlie wanting to know who is actually on the voting panel. Abby Wilson, Alexis Pritchard, uh, Alison Shanks, Andrew Alderson, Andrew Mulligan, Ben Lucas, Bernie Oliver Kirby, Brendan Pongia, Dan Buckingham, Dr. Farah Palmer, uh, Dame Dr. Farah Palmer, I should say, Eddie Cole Hayes, uh, Fred Woodcock, Graham Crosby, Grant Sharman, Ivan Visilich, Jane Craig, uh, Jody Brown, Leslie Murdoch, Maya Jackman, Mark Hinton, Peter Williams, Rebecca Dubbis, Sarah Cowley Ross, Suzanne McFadden, and Tom Bartlett, who you would have heard doing the cricket commentary. So, a wide ranging list of journalists and former athletes, I guess, is what you've got there. And they're all extreme. Look, a lot of these people I know, and they're all very good people individually, and they do a hell of a job making... It's a tough job trying to decide who gets these gongs, and obviously always somebody is going to end up upset. So I don't envy them. I think they do an important job, but I can also say I think I've made a mistake. And maybe we'll just park that there at five minutes past four because we're going to talk some golf with a good pal and a very good man to SENZ throughout the year, which was 2022 at Sam Pinfold. Uh, the highs of the golfing world, a complete change in tour and so much more. I'm really looking forward to this chat. So we welcome in Sam. Afternoon, buddy. How you going? Yeah, pretty good, Louie, mate. How are you? Flying, Pinnit. Flying. Absolutely enjoying it. I'm being told to turn the races off, so we might have to just do a bit more sport. So I thought I'd straighten it up with some golf. Oh, perfect, mate. We get the racing back in there soon, don't we? Well, you'll be you're you're a big James McDonald fan, right? Maybe you can put it into context. Maybe they'll listen to you because you you stand on the bag of one of the world's best athletes. And James McDonald, what he does, how do you explain it? Mate, he definitely should be nominated for a Hellberg. I mean, you've only got to look back. I think what in the eighties or nineties, surely Mark Todd in the equestrian won a Hellberg, didn't he? Surely. I mean, what's, you know, t- show me the difference there. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, there's been precedence for it before with a, you know, a Kiwi on a horse, and we've got the world's best riding right now around the world winning the biggest races. I mean, no-brainer to me. He's the world's best jockey, mate. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good point. You've actually just spent a bit of time over there. I saw Cam, your man Cam Smith, actually got a photo with him uh, at Doom, but I think they were they were up in Brizzy at the races. So you and Cam both into your racing? Uh, Cam's not so much. Uh, a couple of good mates of ours are, and I think they sort of dragged Cam on for races <laughs> there on, on New Year's Eve, and uh, sure enough, he sent me that photo pretty quick, saying uh, I met a better Kiwi than you. And I said, yeah, you, you're, you're actually right there, mate. So I, I, said, I said I might print that out and put it next to my beard, my two favourite sportsmen. <laughs> so you still got to, even in the off-season, you have to stroke the ego? Yeah, every now and then. That was the... Um, it's about the only time he spoke to me, really. We uh, Christmas Eve we spoke, New Year's Eve we spoke. Other than that, we've had about probably about a month off really been talking, so it's, it's pretty nice and keeps it fresh, so it's good, mate. No, that's cool. Uh, what a year you you guys had together, and I can imagine the pressure cooker that you've put in, uh, been in, in the when you're in the trenches together, it is always good for a little bit of a spell. Now, I was actually thinking, Pinner, that I don't know if you remember, but well, you would, because we caught up at the races. It was over a year ago, and I got you on the show before you flew out. And what triggered my memory, this was going back over a year ago now, is John Rahm. He's chased down Colin Morikawa at the, the Tournament of Champions. And we spoke, I reckon, the week before that, and that kind of set off a 2022 for you that you probably can't really believe looking back at it. What an incredible year. Do you remember what 
you were feeling at the start of it and, and how do you compare that to where you guys finished up? Well, I remember just so at the start of the year, we um, I do remember speaking to you, that was about the day before I flew out for the uh, for that tournament in Hawaii. Um, start of the year, we'd just really broken into the top 20 in the world and sort of, you know, the, the thoughts and patterns and goals were there to sort of contend in majors and contend in the biggest events and then just um, obviously winning first up in Hawaii set us off to a nice little start and then the sort of the form just stayed there all year and I mean, the way he played at the Players' Championship there to, to win that, um, you know, and that was almost like a home win too. That's where TPC Sawgrass were his base for a long time. That one was pretty special. His mum and sister were there for the, the first time in about two years with all the COVID stuff, and we knew a lot of people and we played around there a lot. So that one, I mean, obviously being the Players' Championship was um, sort of to top it off. And then, I mean, the very next start we had with the Masters and three rounds through, we're standing in the last group with uh, Scotty Scheffler and sort of you had to pinch yourself and sort of, you know, sort of, you know, realised that this all, it was all true and it was all going on. I mean, you're, you're just sort of consistently at the top of the golfing world with a kid who's, you know, one of the best in the world and just sort of got a huge heart and huge uh, huge sort of set of balls to go with it. <laughs> he, he, do, he doesn't back down from a thing. And the bigger the situation and the, the, the more people there are, or the more he sort of people doubt him or people think he shouldn't be there, the more likely he is to perform. So it's pretty nice um, to caddy for it. My job makes my job simple because he loves to attack and play aggressive and, it's the same way through that the last nine of the British when we we're sort of making all those birdies. You know, the worst thing I could have done after the fifth bird and we had the lead was to sort of say, oh, you know, we're in the front now. You know, let's it's just middle of the green. We just kept attacking the whole way home and, you know, and ended up picking up one more birdie on 18, which proved to be enough. But he's just, uh, yeah, he's just, the way he just loves to get intention in those tournaments. And then um, we got into contention a few more times than most this year and managed to pull off a fair few of them. So it's pretty impressive. It's incredible because he he's a weapon. He just wants to go for the throat, and you're a punter. So yeah. the, 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 the the combination seems to work quite well. Um, but you must have, well, maybe you didn't. Did did you see a change in him? Like when when did you know that that, that year? Well, because I remember you saying that you guys felt like you could contend, and that was the goal. But when yeah. you got back on the bag. Did you notice that there was an extra part of the game or there was just a little bit of an extra mental edge that you thought, oh, well, we are actually on this year? Um, when I turned up in January last year, that was one of the ones where I'd been home for three months because the old COVID lockdowns were still in place. Um, so when I turned up and saw him in January at the start of this year in Hawaii, he was very fit and very, I mean, he got he was sort of, for a while there in the last couple of years, he was getting pretty proud of his little beer belly and sort of drinking beers with the lads and his training had sort of dropped off a little bit, but when I taught, saw him in January, he was the fittest, strongest, um, you know, the best-looking sort of athlete I'd seen him in eight years. And and it, it still matters, you know, it matters a lot in golf. People might sort of think, oh, you know, it's not too big a thing in golf, but it does matter a lot. And he felt, you know, refreshed and strong and fit and ready to go. So I think that was a big part of it. Um, and then just, I mean, it was just got better, you know, like I said, eight years. I think every year we've, I think we've gone backwards in one of the years. So we're sort of getting to the point there, once you got to top 20, the next step was to get to that top 10 or to win a major. And, I mean, not many guys can do it as quickly as that or as smooth as that, but uh, he managed to pull it off. Bang on. And it was that aggressive nature that did it. And, and the players, the pinch yourself moment of the players where he broke down, you, you can kind of be forgiven to say, oh, well, we've had a good run this year. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we can keep we can keep trending upwards because he's still a young man. He's still in his 20s. So yeah. I guess, I mean, for everyone that's wondering what's going on here, we're talking to Sam Pinfold. He is Cam Smith's caddy and has been for an eight-year eight stint now, which is incredible. Uh, well concluded in a uh, open victory of players and and the other thing that we we got to talk about and we can talk about it now Pinner is a change of tour so yep. so on the on the greens it was a massive year but then the move 
and the golfing climate was completely changing the whole time. And there's all that going around and there's, you know, Rory and Tiger and all of this external pressure and noise and, and it kind of came at a pretty gnarly time as everything was apexing. And so you've had to work your way through that. In hindsight, what was it all like to live through? Uh, it was pretty interesting times when we obviously straight off winning the British and then there was all the um, discussions and the talk and the rumours about Cam going to the going to live. Um, we're very happy. I mean, Cam and I are very happy with the decision we've made. It's um, It's been great so far for us out there. We managed to get a win out in that tour. Um, and the second start, which was sort of kind of validated going over there and sort of, you know, I think Cam wanted to do that to himself just to, to prove to a lot of people that he's not going to just sort of take the money and run and become a ceremonial golfer. It's, it's dead serious out there. And the, 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 um, the ideas and the plans for the live in the future, they're all pretty exciting. Um, we're very excited about it going forward. Um, it's, it, we've got a good, good schedule coming up this year, a lot more international travel. We've got an event in Australia, which I think is already almost sold out, which is sort of showing the popularity of it. They do, it's a, it's a very different product, um, sort of on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then, um, pre-round where the way that, um, they, with all the shotgun starts, you've got all 48 guys there at one time. They have a lot of entertainment, music and hospitality and all that sort of stuff around the putting green and the driving range. Cause you've got all 48 guys there for about an hour and a half, two hours before they start. And then, bang, everyone goes off together. Yeah, all golf's done in about four and a half hours. And then as soon as we finish, a big concert kicks off right behind that 8th green. In Miami, it was the Chainsmokers. And it was a, it was a, it was a pretty, it was, it was like, hitting into the 8th green was almost like hitting into the middle of a music festival. And it, I mean, it was, it, it was extremely cool. And it, I mean, it's really, there's been a lot of moments where me and Cam sort of turned to each other and just been like, wow, this is different. This is cool. And, you know, and I think you've only got to look at, um, I mean, we played the Australian PGA in Brisbane towards the end of the year, and they had that party hole on 17, which was absolutely filled to the rafters um, every single day, the music pumping, the, the vibe in there was awesome. And I think it's just sort of, a, at the moment, it's the, the whole live PGA thing, it's, the PGA have held sort of such a monopoly and such a power over it for so many years, and the PGA Tour was absolutely great for us. We, were, we wouldn't be where we are without it. It's a, a sensational place, but we've just taken a new option and an exciting option, and it's the best way we've talked about it to people is it's almost like when the IPL cricket started. You know, I think those international players who went and signed were banned from playing for their countries and sort of, you know, stood down and made to made to look bad in their countries. And yet here we are, what, 10, 12 years down the track, the international cricket schedules made around the IPL and 2020 crickets evolved to some would say, you know, most popular format. So it's I'm not saying it's, you know, exactly the same, but there's definitely a lot of similarities between the PGA and, and live when, you know, the sort of the, the IPL and certain ways things are happening there. So we're all very excited about it and looking forward to another good year. Now, it's a good description of how it all played out, mate. I think, I mean, I don't know what you felt, but I, I know that lots of golf fans and even myself, we were all pretty suspicious of it. I think like in the initial stages, and you probably wouldn't have wanted to be one of the first golfers that went across because there's, yep. there's a bit of um, vitriol and, and, you know, rightly so, you're a little bit suspicious as a fan. I don't know what it was like in the like the caddies room or, or what your mates were saying, but I think now, and, and this happens in sport all the time, like as you talk about the IPL we don't handle change well but then when we look back it feels normal so it's just being brave enough to kind of accept and I think where we are now is I don't really care if you're a live fan or if you're a PGA fan or if you're both or if you're just a golf fan but I guarantee you the PGA tour will be better because of what live has done it will become it, it, it will become a better product we've probably already started seeing that have we 
It already is. I mean, they uh, elevated their sort of 12 their events, 12, um, 12 of their events up to a higher level and sort of tried to match that live money with doing $20 million minimum. So at the moment, golfers in general, uh, you know, professional golfers are winning across the world. The the live tour has got a development tour, the Asian development tour underneath it, which is sort of one of their ways to sort of give back and fun. And they, they, all their purses have gone up. The Asian tour has become going to become one of the sort of more popular tours, especially for the, the second tier type guys in the next two or three years, without a doubt. Um, and like, like I say, I just think the change and the uh, and just everyone's a bit scared of the change. You know, big big break from tradition, and then you know, twelve months down the track from I mean, twelve months ago, I mean, we wouldn't have been having this conversation at all if you'd said Cam Smith was going to win a major, sign for X amount of dollars in a, a rival tour. I would have, you know laughed you off the radio and said, "Yeah, <laughs> you know, here we are." And I mean, who knows where we're going to be sitting twelve months time from now? I, I I'm I think there will be some I won't say a truce or a, you know anything cool between the PGA and Tour and Live. I just think they'll adapt and It'll sort of mellow. operate alongside each other and i mean i think the majors this year are going to be you know blockbuster viewing you know i mean give us a dustin johnson rory McIlroy, and a cam smith justin thomas in the top four or something like that and then the last you know couple of days of the, of the majors of the of augusta and i mean tell me you're not going to watch that it's going to be sensational so and i mean it's just going to be add extra to the sport overall i do think that some of the and we'll finish we'll, we'll move on from this because i've got another couple of things i want to ask you about but i do think that some of the stances that you know your jt's and your rory's did take around it got a little bit pious and it's it's kind of like they've taken it really personally like it's their battle to fight and i, I just don't know as i say like when we look back in 10 years and everything in the golf world's just normal and the live tour is just normal i don't know whether they're going to be overly proud of maybe the, some of the things that they've said and the hard line they took on it. I just don't know whether you needed to be like that. But then again, you know, Rory and Tiger, and the they think that they're protecting legacy and, and you know, good on them. So that, that's much my final thought there. Well, the other thing I want to ask you about, Pinner, is golf in New Zealand in general. Like, you're a proud Kiwi. You're exposed to it at the absolute elite level. Lydia Ko and Steve Alka being named uh, players of the year on their respective tour – Foxy's just been given his invitation formally for Augusta. From what you're seeing from your vantage point, have we ever been in a stronger place? Mate, I mean, first of all, Foxy had a cracking year. We we played with him late in, uh, late in the year in Brisbane, and I mean, he's just a great, he's a great fellow. I love Foxy. Um, he's brilliant to be around. He's brilliant to play with as, as another caddy, and he had a cracking year. So, congrats. I mean, we said congrats to him, and hopefully, you know, kicks on. He's got a big chance next year in America with all the big events he gets to in the majors. So he's going to have a cracking time. That's great for Kiwi golf fans to be able to follow. Um, sort of been a while since we sort of had a Kiwi player, you know, cemented in all those majors, which he's going to be like, which he's going to be this year. Um, and Stephen Elkham, it's, that's one of the best sporting stories, it's not only in New Zealand, but, for, you know, especially in golf. I mean, he was an absolute journeyman for <laughs> a long time. I've seen, I've known Steve ever since I started caddying. And every time you see him, he's got a big smile on his face and, and sometimes he's at qualifiers or nationwide events or, you know, sorry, web.com events and smaller events. And always had a smile on his face. And then he's just made every poster winner on that seniors tour. And he just continues to, you know, every week. It's weekend week. He's out. a flusher. Just a, he's just, just a, a flusher. Story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's such, he's such a nice guy. And he's just obviously been involved in New Zealand golf for so long. And, I mean, that was something I took a lot of pride of sort of watching throughout the year. And, you know, it's, it's such a good story. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, no, for sure. And then the redemption yeah. of Lids has been quite again another story where you just kind of pinch yourself because it wasn't it wasn't easy going for her for a while, and no, um, her, things she's... things are obviously going super in her personal life. She's been married over the summer, and to be back at world number one, like there was probably if you asked me whether she would have got back there, I wouldn't have been able to give you an answer. And so then imagine the self doubt from where she went and now to where she is again. 
Yeah, she was almost a victim of the success of being so good so early. We sort of, you know, just kind of thought that she was going to do be there forever. And women's golf is pretty volatile, um, sort of, you know, top and t- top and turn with the guys. At the, sorry, the girls at the top. Um, but for her to, you know, hang in there and battle back, and I mean, she probably could easily just either put it on the back burner and retired away to a pretty happy life, even though she's, what's she, 20, I'm not sure how old she is, is she 23, 24? Is she that old even? Um, but, I mean, um, for her to fight back and have this year, and I think she's going to keep going for a while yet, so it's, it's pretty cool to see. So two, two New Zealand's golfers sort of right there at top, and Foxy's going to get a good chance to join them there over in the US this year. Absolutely, mate. Hey, um, there's a couple of questions from uh, some punters that they wanted me to put to you, so we'll do that, uh, Pinnit. One from Tim up here in the 09. He He's curious to know how you got on Cam Smith's bag. Now, you've spoken about this in length before, but just a, a relatively quick summation of how it all panned out. I just met him down the New Zealand Open when I was working for another Australian player with the same agent, Michael Sim, and that was uh, he was only 20 years old. It was about a second, or event, uh, second pro event there and ended up catting for him on the weekend because Michael Sim missed the cut. And Cam just had a local guy who sort of didn't really know what he was doing, carrying the bag. So I called him out for the weekend, and we sort of got along, and that planted the seed. And about 13, 14 months later, he broke through in the States when he finished fourth in the US Open. And they gave me the call and started full-time from then, which is uh, to August 2015. Wow. 2015, that's a long period of time. Um, now, here's Pac-Man, and it almost feels like Pac-Man <laughs> might know you. Uh, Here Pinner. we go. <laughs> couple of questions for Pinner. As you know, he plays a lot of golf at a re- to a really good level himself. Yeah, that's right. Ask him, has he ever beaten or taking money off Cully? Mm, not sure I have. Not <laughs> sure I have. Christian's a bit of a hustler. <laughs> I, I have heard rumours and murmurs that he doesn't handle, isn't take getting uh, money taken off him too well, old Cully. Cully's pretty competitive, mate. He's a, he's a good golfer himself too. And... Um, Oh, no, I don't know. I mean, this feels like it's getting into your personal life here, are we? But, yeah, but, yeah, keep, keep, keep this one quiet. Pac-Man's a bit of a... Pa- uh, pa- Pac-Man's... He's the kid oldest teenager. He's about 85. <laughs> Pac-Man's feels like he's got too much information. But, but you do have a uh, partner down here in this part of the world. So how much longer are you, are you down in New Zealand for and must be cool to show her around? I'll turn oh, yeah, she, she was just here for six weeks. She's actually just gone back to America. She's got to get back to work. Uh, so she was here for six weeks. So I showed her around New Zealand and uh, took her to a few racetracks. So she oh, uh, learned about the horses. Uh, put her to work at John O'Benner's um, stable one morning too, which was good, good, good effort. So nah, she had a great time. So I'm home until January the 26th. Oh, nice stuff, mate. And then you're off. And, and I'm just looking at, there you go, the, the Adelaide event is the live event. So if anyone wanted to get part of, get a part of it, it's just across the ditch. All April 21, 23. Um, it honestly does interest me, and, and it's so good that they're bringing it down under. And if anyone wants a celebrity sighting, are you going to be at Karaka Million, mate? <laughs> yeah, I think I am going to be on track, mate, going out with a bunch of lads. So, yeah, it should be good. I've been trying to get to as many race meetings as I can while I've been home, so I've been loving it. All right, there you go. So if you want to go and find a, a uh, major winning caddy on track, so you, you just have to head to Pukekohe in a couple of weekends' time. All right, great to chat, Sam. Really appreciate your time and all of the time throughout the year. It's so good to be able to have access to you um, so soon after you win these events on ECNZ. We're very privileged, mate, and we really appreciate it. All good, mate. We'll uh, see you at Karaka in a couple of weeks, eh? There you go. Sam Pimfold. Caddy of Cam Smith. Very enlightening stuff around Cam Smith as the elite athlete he is, what makes him so good, how they got on, and that that decision to go to the Live Tour can't have been an easy one. It cannot have been an easy one. So much 
conjecture and so much negative energy around it. Uh, and looking back already, tempers have cooled, and just a really interesting period in golfing history. I wonder how people will consider the way they acted and the way they performed around it and whether they might have some regrets. Cam Norrie is back, boys. Cam Norrie, three love up in the third set. The rain has gone away and it looks like the second seed hopefully should be able to serve this one out. We want to see him go deep, our man Cam Norrie. 24 minutes past four o'clock. It's SCNZ. We'll be back with your text messages after this. SCNZ, we are 29 minutes past 4 o'clock. Hey, uh, Kiwi Cruising's just been Royals and Bellano there at Matamata in race four. It is heavy going. Um, Will was wanting to know what was my bet of the day. Um, Will, I don't know whether we should be punting here, to be honest. It makes me nervous. Uh, Grayson Gray was my bet of the day, but that's before it looked like a bog. I've got no idea. She's never. I think she's run one race on a soft track, but no horse has got any heavy form in that race seven, I think it is. She's the best filly in the race by a mile. Um, actually, there's some nice horses in there. Maybe that wouldn't be true, but she's the best horse in the race so far on what we know about her. But I don't know whether we should be tipping her. It's heavy track, man. Sandown race three, though, there's a horse called Gringotts that's got a bit of spruik around it. Then Gareth Hall has also tipped us Brazen Kingdom in race two and Nunthorpe in race one. Hey, could string a little place multi together. Paul says trampoline FFS. I think I know what that means. Where is Baz in coach of the year at in the coaching category? Paul. Yeah. I would have James McDonald in there ahead of Dylan Schmidt. Not knocking Dylan Schmidt. He's had a credible year, but uh, I would have him there. And I don't know why Baz isn't coach of the year. Maybe no one put his hand up for it. Maybe that's the case. Anyway, we're half past four o'clock. Uh, we're going to talk hockey before this hour's out. Get up the Black Sticks. World Cup on the horizon this weekend. Let's go. So we're going to be doing that in uh, about 10 minutes' time. Right now, it's Johnny Mack. Said we are 26 away from five, having a blast here for 90 minutes longer. There's another rain delay at the ASB Classic. Oh, I hope they can finish this match because Cam Norrie is up and about. Hey, we're still asking what the best month of the year is. We're going to do our draft probably before the end of this hour. Joe, Jacob and me, we're going to draft four months of the year each. Ben says November is hands down the best month of the year. New Zealand Cup Week, enough said. Then you got the Melbourne Cup. Then you've got, you know, spring kind of summery vibes. November, you're just starting to feel a bit better because December's around the corner. Then it's just silly season, so you kind of already started to taper off. Although you do have to get a lot of projects done in November. It's kind of moving moving month. Uh, Grant says, Louis, the best month of the year is April for the Masters. <laughs> and this year, we're going to see Foxy. 
And we'll see Sam Pinfold. If you missed our chat with Sam Pinfold, you can go to the SENZ app. You can listen to Kirst and Beeve on the run home, or you can click on that's their podcast, and that's where you find our chat with Sam Pinfold, who is Cam Smith's caddy. Um, yeah, April. I feel like somebody needs to make a case for the like a deep winter month. I feel like somebody needs to put up a case for July or August. Wait, August isn't winter. June. May? No. May shit. Yeah, May's terrible, actually. May sucks. May is by far the worst, I think. It's just a no man's uh, land. What even is May? Oh, no. 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 I take it back. No. I slap my own hand. No. Bad. What? May is great. Why? Duck shooting season. Ah, oh, right. I thought you were going to say May the 4th. It's the only redeeming factor I can think of. Duck shooting season, Jacob. Opening weekend. I don't know if you've seen me, Louie, but I'm not a big duck sh- shooter. How would I know? I don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you've outplayed me there. <laughs> uh, mate, first, first weekend of May, opening weekend of duck shooting season. Let's go. It comes around so fast. And then, and then it is pretty average after that, I must admit. It kind of... What's the worst sports month then? Would you say? Ooh, there's usually a there usually is a dead patch. When is September? it? September. Um, no, it might. Yeah, Augusty kind of. Yeah, August at September. Yeah, yeah. December actually. Like if we didn't have the f- football cup, what would it, what would be on? because cricket yeah, starts. You late. Are, you're not yeah. wrong there. December actually gets pretty dry as far as sports goes, mm. and then it kind of well cricket. Usually yeah, we have a good ends. cricket tour going. Yeah. We just, this year, our cricketers are in, well, no, to be fair, we had India here. Ah, to see, it just is, it's different. It's a kind of a feeling out stage. We're trying to get better into summer. You know, we're actually only halfway through summer. We're not even halfway through summer. All we're doing is complaining about the rain and the weather. I mean, look, the answer really is February. February is the best month. Look, we're going to draft this. It's only 28 days. We're going to draft this, hey, Sometimes shorter is Sometimes sweeter. Sometimes 29. But like, <laughs> no, you can't have a 28, 29 day month. It doesn't, have to be, month. it doesn't have to be big to be good. Sometimes the best things come in little packages. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad someone told you that, Louis. Good pep talk for my date tonight, Louis. Thanks, man. Oh, wow. What was the rule today, Jacob? Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, the golden about, rule, Joe. What was the golden rule today, Joe? The golden rule. No, talking about my dates. And you've managed life. to break that on ear. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Right. 22 away from five. We need to go and employ some discipline. Uh, the full, the full, corporals have fallen out of rank. And we need you to text us a double eight, double three. What is the best month of the sporting year? Because we're going to draft the months. We're also going to talk to the currently. I hear the skipper of the Black Sticks ahead of their World Cup in India. Incredible. In Odisha, we're getting access to Blair Tarrant after this. Four Vantage Vantage windows and doors right behind the Vantage Black Sticks. So let's catch up and talk a bit of field hockey up after this. 17 minutes away from 5 o'clock, you're listening to SENZ. Hey, we got the texters going. Here they are. Good to have you listening, Logan, as well. Uh, double eight, double three. What is the best month of the year? We're going to draft them very, very shortly. But right now, we've got far more important and serious matters to get to. The Vantage Windows and Doors uh, Black Sticks are off for 
a massive, massive journey in India. They find themselves in India now, and Blair Tarrant is on the line with us. He's been good enough to take some time out of his day to talk ahead of their World Cup. Blair, how's India going? How's the team settled in, brother? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, India's been been good so far. We're in a place called Rokala, and there's... Um, Kind of been a um, village built for the Hockey World Cup and a, and a cool stadium. So, so far, so good. And you're just starting to probably get serious now and you're really starting to lock in ahead of your first game, which is well, only five days away. So what's the vibe? You've obviously been in different campaigns like these throughout the years. Where do you think this team's head's at? Yeah, I think um, at the moment we've been playing some practice games and just trying to get some some structures right and whatnot. I think in terms of where our heads are at, we're, we're just wanting to really give this one a crack and kind of take the underdog mentality and see what can happen. Now, that underdog mentality, it's it's good for purposes of being the underdog, but the, the team's performance over the last handful of years, for you and for, well, I guess if you, are, if you have looked in the mirror, which I'm sure you've done, but leading into this event, are you guys where you are at and have you been happy enough with the level of play over the last wee while? Uh, over the last couple of years, no, definitely haven't been happy with our results. So, like I said, this this is a tournament that we want to make something happen and and really go with the front foot attitude and you know try and make something happen on the pitch and do something special. This is your third World Cup, right? So you have you have yeah. seen them. What is different about World Cups? And I, I love I love hearing different athletes and and different sports opinions and takes on this because. There is nothing like a World Cup. It's a different sort of pressure cooker. So what's it like when it comes to hockey? Yeah, you're right. There, there is nothing like a World Cup. And I can remember, you know, the last two World Cups I went to were pretty special. But I also remember the games that we kind of let slip and that, you know, you don't forget those. So it's really important that, that we're, this team's ready when it comes to a big match or a big moment in a match to make something happen. And do you feel like you've got the right mix of experience and youth that can kind of take this moment with both hands? Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's about where we're at at the moment. There's there's a, like a young group of guys who can take the game on, and we need that. And then there's kind of the there's a lot of experience in the group who need to kind of you know let them let them flourish and let those opportunities come and really take them with both hands. So, on yourself, are you playing your hockey? I've got here in uh, hamburgers or in Germany. What's what is the club or like the uh, professional scene like in Europe? Yeah, I've been over in Europe for for ages now. I was in in Holland for four or five years, and now, now I'm in Hamburg. Mm. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, like in in Holland, it's it's quite professional, and you know they take it quite seriously. You get good crowds and whatnot. And then in Germany, a little bit similar, but maybe a little bit more similar to New Zealand in terms of playing numbers and and fan fan base. Okay, so the Dutch are mad for it, and that probably makes sense. <laughs> they go pretty good. Um, they're always right out there. Who are your threats? Because you've obviously got a well. Actually, speaking of the Dutch, that's your first game, right? The, the Netherlands. So, where, uh, second game. Uh, yeah, second game. Yeah. Second game. Sorry. Yeah. Where, so, where are the the major threats coming from this World Cup? Oh, the, yeah, in our pool, the the Dutch are the, the top ranked, but you know we've got a. We've got to turn up against Chile on the first and our first match and, and try and put them away. So that's that's our first target, first kind of yeah, that's where our minds are at, at the moment for sure. Saturday, eight PM New Zealand time, so right in that test match footy kind of time zone. Uh Spark Sport will all be behind you, mate. And I do, oh, the other thing I have here which I have to ask about, if this is true, consider me extremely jealous. <laughs> have you spent some time on the golf course with Michael Campbell, I've heard? 
Oh, we bumped into him at um, Paraparaumu just just um, oh. after Christmas, and it was bloody cool. We, he played a hole with him, and he's a he's a bloody good guy. He, yeah, because we we fizz golfing, and he was legendary. <laughs> well, that's funny because actually the last guest we just had on the show is Sam Pinfold, who's the caddy for Cam Smith, and he's his his, oh, lo- yeah. his local courses pram down there. So um, there you go. There's a bit of a carpety coast. Synergy going on. Michael Campbell, he's, yeah, nice. he, he's a dead set Kiwi icon, eh? Like, he is a legend. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. All right, but we'll let you crack on. Uh, before we do, what's the best month of the year? We're about to draft the month of the year. So what, what's the best month of the um, year for you? It has to be Feb. Let's go! <laughs> and that's not, Blair's not a plant. He's got too much He's got too much honour and dignity as the captain of the Black Sticks, mate. Um, all the best for the World Cup ahead. Really good luck. Sending all the best wishes to the guys. Hopefully you can dig in and, and get a result that you'll be stoked with. Right, thanks, mate. See ya. Here you go, Blair Tarrant. Huh. February. Interesting. Right, well, uh, Blair Darren, he's captain of the Black Sticks. As I said, you can watch that game. Chile, Saturday night. Then they've got the Dutch and then Malaysia. They're not happy with their results. They're going to turn it around. they got the squad. Let's get them behind the Black Sticks, shall we? 11 away from five. We're drafting the months after this. January, wood chopping at the Puhoisia, says... Jimmy, June, time to go to sunny Queensland and get out of the terrible weather and watch the Maroons tail up the Blues. April, NHL and NBA playoffs commence and new Major League Baseball season. Yeah, April in American sport, Logan, is the best. Best month got to be June when the Crusaders win Super Rugby Finals. At least you know it's got to happen. It's good to have these certainties and these troublesome times, Mark. Best sport month spans the four weeks. Mid-June to mid-July doesn't count like that, Mike. We need one, during which there are always black tests. Royal Ascot, a Lord's Test, Wimbledon, the Open, Tour de France. Wowee. Let's draft the months on SCNZ. This is the first time it's happened on New Zealand radio. I would hazard a guess. A draft of the months, Jacob. You bold think someone, claim. Well, you think someone else has drafted. That is a bold claim. Do you think It's some- a pretty generic uh, sort of radio topic, I feel like. No, hold on. Hold on. Whoa, whoa. What's the best month? Generic radio topic. Drafting the months. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. That's our twist on it. They're not on drafting the month, months on the, on the hits, mate. <laughs> Will we do it after this? Welcome back to a world New Zealand radio first where we will draft the months on ECNZ snake fashion draft Louis, Jacob, Joe will end up with four months each they'll go on Twitter in a poll and in the ECNZ app as a poll and you can vote whose draft is the best we've flipped a coin and we've flipped it again Jacob has the number one pick Oh, wow. All right. And with the number one pick. With the number one pick. I, actually, I'm going to uh, flip, it on, I'll flip it on his head, and I'm going to go February. Oh! I know. Completely flipped on his head. Because I've just realized the Super Bowl's in February, uh, among other things, and I'm going to go February. 
Snake him. Absolute snake him. Just when you think you've got it nailed down. Uh, no, that's okay because I was foxing. I didn't want Feb. It's me up <laughs> second. And I want November because November is clearly the best month of the year because it's the spring carnival. It's racing at its best. And honestly, everyone's vibes are high in November. You've got different bits of sporting leagues coming to an end. Uh, the end of the year is in sight. We were so close to summer. The weather hasn't been great in November recently, but I'm taking November with my first pick. Joe. April, easily. And do you know why, actually? It's, huh. not, it's not for the reasons I've listed previously, mostly about the weather. It's because you still have hope that the Warriors are going to win it all. That's why. Uh, April 4th last on my draft board, so have it. Uh, that means me again and... Jacob? Um, no, it's a, it's a... No, no. Oh, right. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it doesn't mean that it's... You know, that's right. Wait, does that... Yeah, is it me or is it Joe again? No, it's Joe again. It's me again. Joe again. Yeah, it's goes me again. Louis, actually. Yeah, 100%. Oh, great. Um, I'm going to take June. I'm going to take June because of the Super Rugby Finals. I, I like it. Early winter. I don't mind the cold too much. It's nice. Oh, my God. June and April gone. Feb is gone. So is November. I mean, look, just to flesh it out, I'm going to take January. Just, to, so I've, just so I can spread my... Uh, my draft. I'm having. I'm, I'm happy with that. Give me. I've got November already. January. Lock it in. That's a good pick, Louis. That's a good pick because <laughs> I've been talking about it all day. Um, with my my second pick, I'm going to pick July. <laughs> but do you know why? I don't care, mate. We, we, need to hurry. Oh, yeah, we, we, okay. we can't. We can't mock Jacob all day. All right. Cool. Uh, let's go December um, with my third pick. Whoa! So no, so July's Gonski's, and so's December. This is perfect because third on my board is October, because that's when the Cox Plate is. That's when the spring racing really heats up, and also there's still All Blacks tests going on. There's so much. It's like we're still in the heart of the sports season in October. Uh, club sport, a lot of it. I'll take October. I'm going to take March. March easy. NRL, Super Rugby, cooler Easter sometimes. Weddings. It's fun. Mm, okay, and what else do you want, Joe, to close out your draft? Oh, geez. Uh, what do I have? Uh, I'll take August. <laughs> that, was, that was a panic oh, pick. <laughs> uh, that leaves me with May for duck shooting. Let's go. And Jacob with the last pick of the draft. Wow, the pressure. No, well, you've, yeah, right. September. Uh, fire out, fire out, fire out. But you've got September, mate. There's only one month. Oh, really? Right? Oh, okay, September. I'll take September. I'm happy with that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that, that allocates the that allocates the months. All right. Woo-hoo-hoo. The palms are sweaty in here. I love the tension of a draft when the pressure comes on when your number is called. We'll go through our draft uh, selections, and we'll also talk to Blair Chuk after this, our feature interview, and we'll let you know who we got, and you can vote. Brilliant. ACNZ. In the midst of draft season here, we have drafted the months of the year just before we went off. Meta Meta Race 5 is underway. You've missed anything from today's show, including Blair Tarrant, captain of the Black Stick, Sam Pinfold, caddy of Cam Smith. Uh, Russian Ravindra, really interesting chat there. You can go into the SCNZ app. You can go find uh, the Run Home with Kirsten Beef, their podcast channel. Plenty of good stuff up there from their previous work as well. It's Louis here filling in for the next wee while, only to the end of the week, really. 
And then we're back to, uh, well, bits and bobs next week. I think breakfast, actually. But Blair Chook is coming up in just a bit. I do need to confirm for you what our draft was. Where we ended up, our teams that we drafted. So we've drafted the uh, months of the year, Jacob, Joe and I. We've ended up with four each. And now we need you to vote who got the best months of the year. You can vote. At the, at, it won't be up just in a second, the poll uh, in the app or on Twitter. So you can just have to hang in there for probably 10 minutes while we get it up. But you can text double eight double three. And just to confirm, with my four picks, I took November, October, January, May, and I feel so good about it. I got the hardest spring racing. I've got the best month in summer, in January. I got New Year's Day. I got those those periods of time where you don't even know what day of the week it is. And then I also got May for a little bit of winter, maybe some early snow, duck shooting season. Uh, Jacob, he managed to snap himself up with the first pick, February. He also managed to take off the board December? Uh, yep, December. I also had July and September. Yeah, I mean, September and July, well, yeah, uh, I mean, I can't agree. And Joe, that means Joe, Joe, Joe got the the scraps. And Joe, what, what was your four months, mate? I got March, April, June and August. I Actually, I'm really happy with the first three. It's just, I think the fourth one's going to throw everyone because everyone knows that August is the worst. No one wants August, yeah, mate. So there you go. Who drafted the best for the months of the year? Double eight, double three. Text Joe, text Jacob, text Louis. Uh, and we'll start compiling those votes. We're also going to get this up on Twitter so you can vote scientifically. And in the Izzy, no, in the Run Home stream on the app right about now. Okay, it is time now at six minutes past five for our Macca's feature interview. This is the Run Home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, here he is with me. We've been uh, telling you all day that we were going to have Blair Chuk on the show and, well, he's the big dog as far as Sale GP goes uh, for our New Zealand team. Alongside Pete Burling, it's a new year. The team is rocketing. It's right there in the reckons to win this season. And, Blair, it's great to catch up with you in humid Singapore. Yeah, good, Great to um, be with you. Just, yeah, sitting here, uh, first day on the ground in Singapore. Uh, yeah, Pretty exciting part of the season, new year, but um, real business end of sale GP season. So um, teams had an awesome break and um, ready to get right into it. No doubt you would have had some uh, great reflection time over summer in that beautiful part of the country you're from, up there in the far north. Do you do you take time at this point of the year or any point of the year just to stop and take stock? Because you're a pretty, pretty busy bunch of people, and I know Sale GP is a huge part of your life, but you've got a lot going on. So how do you focus yourself for a year ahead? Yeah, it was awesome break, lucky enough to be with friends and whanau uh, up in the far north. So, yeah, just heaps of time around the ocean. And, um, you know, it was important for us as a team to, when you do a, a season, I guess it goes pretty much year-round. Um, it's hard to get gaps where you really switch off, so... You know, we put in quite a lot of mahi after uh, Dubai where we, you know, tried to look where we can make gains, um, implement some different stuff. But then we pretty much from uh, Christmas time till about uh, oh, three or four days ago, really just put the brakes on, let the whole team, I guess, um, head away with friends and 
family and, and, and take take a good break and um, been awesome because everyone's come back real recharged. And yeah, for me personally, it was um, yeah a good time to sort of reflect on on the year been. Um, and then you know, look ahead. We've obviously got the schedule laid out with SailGP, four more events to go. Um, it's going to be a busy busy year, but it was it was nice to sort of look ahead and, and look personally. We sort of make some personal tweaks, I guess, um, on how you might approach a couple of things. I know you'll be stoked, maybe not of the most recent sailing, but I know you'll be stoked of where you've been able to get the team this year, uh, second in the standings. What about the the league as a whole and the growth of SailGP? Some pretty cool um, viewership numbers coming out of the US. Do you feel it growing and does, does that make you a wee bit proud? Yeah, it's certainly been awesome to be um, involved with SailGP as it's, you know, it's growing so, so fast. Um, you know, I think the last couple of events uh, in the US is like one and a half or 1.6 million viewers um, at both Central Pay and, and then in Cardiff, I think. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. And then personally, just, you know, seeing how the team's grown, well, you know, we right from the start, knowing we've had to have the right people in the right roles um, to try and do well from a performance point of view with, with this. It's a really tough league. And, um, you know, last year was really challenging with a lot of rotations with, us away at the Olympics and whatnot. Um, but this year, yeah, I mean, the team's grown massively. Um, you know, it's, still, it's a heck of a challenge, but um, just, yeah, awesome how everyone's taking it on and, um, you know, right there in the hunt and now just need to keep growing and building as we head towards the final. So how fired up are you and is the team for the Singapore adventure, Chuki? You know, it's going to be challenging here. It's going to be really light winds, um, really high humidity. So there's another... It's, I wouldn't call it a normal event. Um, so it's going to, I guess, be the team that grasps those conditions and, and is consistent across the weekend that will, will come out on top. But, yeah, it's a, yeah, if we can have a, a good one here, you know, it's certainly going to be um, helping us towards being in that top three um, come San Francisco, which is what we've said right along. That's the, that's the goal to, you know, have a chance to win the season. You have to be in that top three for the, the final race. And, um, you know, we're sort of certainly building towards that at the moment. You, you, how, how much recon can you do on a new location like Singapore without you haven't had a practice yet? But how much do you know about what the city's infrastructure and I assume like lots of skyscrapers and I don't know how deep the channels are. I don't know if that makes a massive difference. But how much do you know before you even set foot on the boat on the water? Yeah, we, we obviously do quite a lot of uh, research into the into the venue. Um, but like I guess always happens in Saturn when you're using <laughs> nature or the, the power of the wind in these races uh, until you actually get here see what the final forecast is like you know what direction the wind's going to be coming from um, that sort of thing uh, then you can't make the final plans but yeah it's going to be a from a logistical point of view um, it's quite a challenging event for us the boats are actually uh, we launch the boats quite far away from where we're racing um, compared to what we've ever done before so it's quite a long sail or tow with the boats to get them there and then um you know, I'm sure some people listening have flown into Singapore before um, or maybe you've seen pictures, but there's thousands and thousands of ships, um, which will obviously be outside of the race course, but uh, sort of just sitting there. Um, and then there can be some quite uh, gnarly currents around as well. So, yeah, it's a challenging venue from, the, I guess, all these other things around the racetrack. But once you get into it, it's just, you know, it's the same P course we normally do and it'll be the team that, I guess, harnesses those conditions and over the weekend that comes on top.
What's the roster looking like this weekend? Is it have you got your full complement of sailors, um, everyone there in the base, or are you looking to mix it up through the last four events? No, yeah, we're um, yeah we're uh, I guess full steam for the last four events now. Um, so Liv Mackay comes back into the team over the last three or four events. Um, Joe La and, and Liv have. Um, been sort of doing a regatta each and how i assist or the strategy role for us. Um, but for the last four events, sort of really look for that consistency within the team. So, yeah, Liv Mackay's back on and then it's a full complement from there. So, uh, you know, with such limited training time, it's really, um, if you can hit those practice days, um, you know, at a higher level than, you know, if, if you're having sort of, I guess, changes in the roster like we saw last year with a lot of us at the Olympics where it was difficult to build that consistency. Um, so that's been something we've really tried to do, especially for this business end of the season. I don't know how much how, how much notice you pay of the other teams, but have you noticed that the collective standard in these boats has been getting better and better towards the pointy end of the season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've got the best sail- sailors in the world here and the sailing on the same boats. You know, a lot of the data is shared between, or well, all of the data is open, so each team can see what other teams are doing. So there's no, no real hiding. So what that means is that everyone's level gets better. Um, if you're the team sailing better in one condition and you've got the boat set up a bit better or got it going faster, then other teams are pretty quick to, um, to sort of copy that or you know change their technique to match you, and then and then the whole level gets better across everyone. So I think we've seen. Out of the nine teams, I think seven teams have made the the final this year already. Um, you know, and it's not far off the other couple of teams making a final too. So, yeah, it's all about who you know gets, I guess, the boat around the racetrack consistently well over over five um, races. And yeah, if you make a mistake, you get you get um, punished for them as, as we did in Dubai. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it, mate. Hey, the best thing about this weekend is it's, it's test match footy time. It's 7 p.m. New Zealand time, and no doubt you're aware that there's a, a big do on at Shapiro's. I just want to get your official statement on what you'd like the vibe to be in there. Like, what sort of like what sort of energy did you do you want to imagine that there is going on while you are not thinking about us at all and you're sailing? But if you would think about us, what sort of energy would you like in Shapiro's, mate? And we'll make it happen. Oh no, I think it's really awesome, love. and we've spent again eighty percent of our time racing in the middle of the night in, in New Zealand. Uh, and there's been some awesome fans that got up and watched us live over that time. Um, but definitely been feeling the energy of the Kiwi fans building. And, um, you know, have this watch party on Saturday night uh, at Shapiro's in Auckland. It's going to be epic. So, nah, get around it. Make as much noise as you can. And, um, you know, once we get back ashore, we'll, you know, be checking in to see how, see how it went. Hopefully we can um, see you guys proud. It's going to be a massive session, mate. All building up to here in New Zealand. Uh, Sydney, I'm sure you'll get lots of Kiwis over there supporting you. It's a hell of a go. Uh, all the best to start the year and the run home in Sail GP. Chuki, great to catch up, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Great to catch up, buddy. Thank you. That was the Run Home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Staying in to watch the sport? Let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba! SENZ, we are quarter past five o'clock. Blair Chirk, Sail GP, what are you doing Saturday night? Gotta be at Shapiro's Bar. Watching Sail GP, 
and then you can flick on Sparksport and watch the Black Six. But firstly, watch the SLGP. Our big vibes. Blair Duke wants massive vibes. And right now at 16 minutes past five, where we let that go, I'm asking you double eight, double three, who has the best draft? Is it on Twitter yet? It's on the app. Is it on Twitter, Jacob? Uh, I'm literally hovering over the tweet button. Uh, we know go. who's superior. Uh, let's, let's go to the app and vote. Who has the best draft? We just drafted the months. And now I'm just asking everybody for the rest of my day, what is the best month of the year? Brendan, you find yourself in the studio. What is the best month of the year? I'm biased, Louie. Uh, so uh, we're just going to have to let, give Joe about four minutes to find, <laughs> find the right month. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I can work out which one it was. Uh, Brendan, what's the best month of the year? Uh, I, I, as I said, I'm really biased. One well, February. We, nobody heard you because you don't have the mic on. Oh, yeah. so. As I didn't say, no, um, February. Beautiful weather, and it's my birthday, so you know you gotta you know enjoy the small things. I pick February. Yeah, uh, that's that's nice, all, all well and good, but when you are trying to decide this thing, you need to be unbiased, and you need to realise that February's only got twenty eight days, brother. How market percentage says it can't be the best. Month. Sure and sweet, Louis. That's what it's all about. It's quick. It's over. Get it out of the way. Beautiful weather. Yeah. Can't go wrong, Louis. Not, can't go wrong. Didn't overstay its welcome like your mother-in-law did it. <laughs> No. What? 17 the? minutes past five. What, Jacob? What you never day? heard that saying? <laughs> this horse stays longer than your mother-in-law? Oh, just off the back fence. Ah, uh, yes. 17 minutes oh, past five o'clock. voted for Louis already. <laughs> That's you, isn't it? Oh, my hands are above the table, buddy. It's not me. 100% go, Louis. Go to, go to the app right now and have your say. Whose draft is best? We just drafted the uh, the months of the year and go to the run home on Twitter. Give them a follow and then vote. Play along. Uh, we've got Drive to Survive also to deal with before the end of the hour. Uh, so much to come. Stay with us here till 6 o'clock. Love it. It on the run home. It is 18 minutes past five.